Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. If you're in a clear sky area, the best conditions to view the uh, northern lights of the Aurora Borealis is where there are no lights and there's no cloud and you really get to see it. Like, you know, the dark sky, sky areas that you can have in uh, counties Cork and Kerry and places like that. So there's a northern light show viewable where there's no light around in dark conditions. It's been that way since Sunday and it's petering out and will decline. Tonight's probably the last night you'll get a look at it. But the mail this morning say that Easter is set to bring a real feel-good factor as Ireland will enjoy a mini heatwave over the bank holiday. I hope they're right, because I don't see it just yet anyway. But then again, I'm not a meteorologist. Clearly, they're talking to people who are. Matt Aaron are saying the temperatures reach 18 degrees. We might do that possibly you know, 16, 17 tomorrow. But the bank holiday weekend is ahead. So it's a case of dusting off the barbecue, making sure you've got a gas barrel with something in it, or indeed charcoal, if that's your way. And I suppose when you think of it, really, there's nothing like the charcoal barbecue. There's not a whole lot going on with flavour in a gas barbecue, and you really are honest about it. Sure, there's not. But anyway, I don't know whether everybody would be taken to, to barbecues across uh, the next couple of months with regards to the bills coming in. They've decided now to cut VAT by a paltry 135 to 9%. Will it save you much? Nah. It'll save you about €110 a year. You know, about 49 on electricity and 61 on gas, they're saying. I suppose it's something, but as usual, it's just a paltry sop of an amount. Uh, They talk about slashing the energy bills. Slashing? By 60, 70, 80 euro? Give me a break, will you? Sod off, Minister, is a headline making the star today. This is a story that affects everybody in rural Ireland. And if you ever spend time in rural Ireland, you know the amount of families that actually make a living, particularly across the winter, selling turf and timber. Well, of course, turf now, if Eamon Ryan gets his way, will be absolutely banned. And apparently, the anger is growing in rural Ireland over his ban from September of selling turf. One rural TD uh, above in Roscommon said that the government is treating turf as if it was cocaine or cannabis. And they're very angry about this, the plan to uh, ban the sale and distribution of turf latest this year. Obviously, it's the Greens on their, on their, on their climate agenda and their, their climate uh, run. I was going, nearly going to say a solo run, but many of us are on board with regards to climate change, particularly if you're filling out your census messages or have done it already last weekend. I suppose many people have been putting down stuff along the lines of, you know, I hope you're here in 100 years' time. I hope you've got somewhere to live in 100 years' time. I hope you haven't been flooded out of existence in 100 years' time. So I kind of get that. But the hauliers and the truckers continue to protest over the high cost of fuel. Many of those photographs making the red tops today. Apparently, they brought gridlock to the capital in Dublin. Will it make a difference? I hope so. I hope so. But I wouldn't, keep, I wouldn't be holding out any hope. And then, um, you know the way it is with, uh, with uh, young people and their mobile phones? really, really impacting on their concentration, the amount of screen time, whether it's a laptop, whether it's a television, or whether it's a, a, a telephone screen, a mobile screen. And I think many people would admit, and do you know something? I have been talking to people who've been taking time out from social media. They've disconnected from their different social media sources, whether it's Twitter or Facebook. A lot of walked away and maybe parked TikTok for a while, and others Instagram, and they've been saying and admitting to me, you know, it could be two, two and a half, three hours a day. I mean, all that lost time. And it's aimless scrolling. Who liked me? Who didn't like me? Why didn't she like that? Why didn't they follow me? Why didn't they like my photograph? Is there something wrong with me? Am I ugly? You know, that kind of stuff. I wonder if anybody else has experiences those kind of thoughts. But phones beeping during classes, disrupting learning, 
Students making excuses to go to the toilet three or four times a day so they can check the messages on their phone. It's an incredible story, a powerful story in the front of the examiner today, where schools now, and there's one down at the Gwail Colostra, Carrigaline. Fair play to them. They're now giving students an option to put their phones in a lockbox. Now, they're incredible things. You see the front of the, the examiner this morning has a photograph. So they have their lockers. And on the front of the locker, then, there's a phone away box. It's a small little perspex box. We can lock your phone in there. A clear box with a lock and a key. Uh, that uh, goes on the outside of the student's locker. And if a student wishes to bring the phone to school, they sign a form agreeing to keep it locked in the box during class time. I think hats off to that school. At least they're trying to make a difference. Then there's another story in the Examiner of wood cabins above in uh, Coachford. Um, And one of them recently was advertised on Daft for a minimum of six-month lease at uh, €1,200 per month. Now, it's kind of interesting because I read also uh, that they're also advertised on Airbnb for a three-night stay at €60 per night, but the RTB is pursuing the landlord for this unauthorised development of these dwellings above in Coachford. Apparently, there's no planning issues with it as well. Uh, So it's big money to be made. Uh, By all accounts, there's uh, I, I can count one, two, three, four, five, at least six of them in the photograph described as fully furnished studios, ideal for those looking for a short or a long-term let. Uh, but they're um, set up in the yard, apparently, behind a house on the main street in, in Coachford. Six wooden cabins, as they say. Uh, and that's kind of the world we're living in now. Uh, but as to whether it's acceptable or not, it doesn't appear to be, because um, they're saying, or worse, the fact that they're not actually allowable uh, for human long-term habitation. And you know, God knows I've dealt with it on the air on many occasions in the past, uh, waiting lists for children. The Echo has a story today of little Barry, uh, little Michael Barry. He's a nine-year-old uh, from Blarney and he has a rare genetic condition. He's been told that he'll get no physio, no physio for five years. He's on a five-year physio waiting list to the age of nine. And I'm blue in the face saying that early intervention for children is absolutely vital for their physical and their mental development. And he'd be 14 going on 15 before anybody lays a hand on a bone. And it's absolutely scandalous. In fairness to Simon, they've got the go-ahead to build dozens of homes in the city. This is around the Alfred Street and Railway Street area. Down there by the former Saab dealership, my father was telling me stories of Alfred Street uh, at the weekend, uh, way back in the day, because he lived on the, the Lower Road and grew up on the Lower Road. And all of the families that lived in and around that area, whether it was all the way down along towards Kent Station, all of the houses there, Alfred Street, Railway Street, even I suppose many on the uh, on the keys who lived there, they all played ball on Alfred Street all day long. Apparently, um, so uh, a lot of houses to be built there, I guess, for people who are homeless or going through transition. And um, I don't understand. They're not hugely across the story, apart from what I saw in the Echo today, where the where City Council have sold um, a fairly big, substantial amount of land up on the north side of the city to the IDA for one and a quarter million. It's like nearly four hectares. Uh, Could somebody tell me, you know, when you look at four hectares, how many acres is that? You know, somebody do the maths on that, lads. Because it strikes me as very cheap. Uh, It's up around Holly Hill. And they've sold it to the IDA. And they're saying one of the real reasons that they sold it to the IDA is to create employment. I I would have thought, okay, that's fine. But I would have thought maybe houses might have been a, a bad idea. Um, and 1.25 million, uh, you like that's kind of in 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 certain areas of a Cork suburb. That's like two semi-detached houses on the market today. 
you'd think they could get an awful lot more than 1.25 million. Um, the uh, stories with regards to COVID, of course, are still with us. But from the bad old days, you know, when many people were sadly very, very sick and unfortunately uh, dying as well. 39 families are now suing the HSE for damages after their loved ones contracted COVID-19 and died. While in, this, while in the care of the state, that would be, say, in state-run facilities or, or private nursing homes. So 39 of them, and that number is climbing. And another number dealing with health is the amount of junior doctors who are at risk of burnout. You could pick that headline up and put it in any year in the last 20 years. 80% of junior doctors at risk of burnout. Is it any wonder why they do the best training they can in this country and then decide to go overseas to work? Who could blame them, though, the state of the place? 49% of awards now are under 10 grand, which is incredibly good news. The Irish Times this morning, you know, we changed the personal injuries um, payouts in the courts by putting in the assessment board. We won't deal with this in too much detail, but changing it has dramatically slashed the amount of money people were making and getting in courts for fairly minor injuries. Like, for instance, there's an example of it in the papers today where uh, the overall average general damages across the, the motor, employer and public liability claims comes in at 11,500. That's down uh, from nearly 22,000 in 2020, so you can see the dramatic rise. They say 40%, it's kind of like almost like 50%. Back in the day, it was enough to give you a migraine. You're talking about migraines, actually. There's a story in the mail today that's saying women are twice as likely as men to have migraines. Uh, it's a, an interesting review because I don't think the word migraine does justice to the pain of a migraine, I'm told. It can be so bad. I know it's, you know, a shocking, shocking headache. And then incredible sensitivity to light, incredible sensitivity to noise. It can lead to vomiting. It's horrific. Uh, and for those that have spoken to about it on the air in the past, it's something you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. And then um, here's an interesting one for you, because I read in the Red Tops this morning. Do you remember Schindler's List with, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the greatest films? Liam Neeson was in it. One of the greatest films ever made. If you haven't seen it, then you got to, at some stage in your life, watch Schindler's List. It deals with the 1,200 Jews who were saved by the German businessman Schindler. He used to bribe the Nazi authorities to let him keep them on as workers and stuff like that and then secretly get him out of, out of Germany and out of Poland and places like that. Um, actually, Poland it was. Well, his secretary, Oskar Schindler's secretary, would you believe it? She only has just gone and died at the age of 107. An incredible age. Mimi Reinhardt died in Israel on Thursday and she was laid to rest in the city of Tel Aviv. She was one of the 1,200 Jews actually saved by Schindler. It's an incredible film, and she had an incredibly long life, didn't she? Mimi, dying at the age of 107. She must have had some story to tell, because she was confined in the Krakow ghetto, then moved to a concentration camp in 1942. But it got me thinking of the best and the worst films that you've ever seen. More on that a little later on. They only mention it because I saw a film there last night that was absolutely shocking. Did anybody ever see the Harry Palmer trilogy that Michael Caine did would have started with the Ipcris file the second one was Funeral in Berlin both of them were fantastic and the third one was called The Billion Dollar Brain Mother of God two wasted hours of my life that I never got back so we ended up then googling the worst films of all time you know what Rotten Tomatoes comes up as the worst film of all time Jaws The Revenge it gets zero percent as in like zero nothing 
Jaws the Revenge. I wonder if you've got a worst film of all time. Do share. Text 0868104106. Cork's number one talk show. The Neil Prendeville Show on Red FM. And from yesterday's programme, I was telling you the story of, you know, it's been a while since I was in a taxi and at the weekend I was. And then I found myself going into automatic default at the weekend by asking the taxi driver the same old stupid questions that I've always asked taxi drivers. Are you out long? Are you busy? Lovely car. What time will you be working till? Um, Mark Willington only went away and found another clip that Peter Kay did, much better than mine. Two things you always say to taxi drivers when you get in. Been busy. <laughs> what time are you on till? You can't help it. Always. Just comes out. It's like Tourette's. <laughs> Tourette's. Ah, my mind is blank. I've got about half a mile. I'm sort of like that. Leading seat cover. <laughs> you been busy? <laughs> what time are you on till? <laughs> what time did you start? I can't give a shit. I can't help. <laughs> Him and me both. We both suffer from the same condition. Perhaps you do too. Um, don't even talk to me about the photographs that have been sent. Thank you. Taxi drivers sent me photographs from Sunday inside the city with regards to motorists who just don't give a damn where they park on a Sunday because there's no wardens around. And apparently the guards don't want to be giving people fines. Uh, so there's nobody to find them. There's nobody to tell them cop on except for one and two taxi drivers who do actually say... You can park there. But I did get the photographs. And, you know, I have to say, not all of them were Cork cars. The first one I saw parking in a taxi rank, uh, not too far um, from, where would this be? Uh, well, I can't actually, I don't actually know. I don't actually know any of these businesses. Card Factor, wherever that is on Patrick. I suppose up towards the Dawn Square area. A Kerry car. Another one then parked outside um, Porter's. Again, a taxi rank. A leash car. Um Another one then outside what looks like, not too far from it actually, only a few taxi spots up from it, a Wexford car. What's going on? Are they all coming down here at the weekend to shop and not knowing where to park? I'm sure there are car cars as well, parked in taxi ranks. No wonder their heads are wrecked. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Cork's Red FM. Get involved in the conversation, and many have. And thank you to everybody that got in touch with your texts and your uh, comments with regards to your increased energy bills. So they're figuring that this 13.5% drop in VAT to 9% is going to be worth uh, around 100 euro a year to you. It's 40, well, maybe just a little more, maybe 110 on an average uh, household spend. But what's average? Well, from the text that I've been getting, there isn't anything because people's bills are all over the place. I'll go through the text and thank you for them in a few minutes' time. Michael, good morning. Can you hear me? I let, okay, let me sort myself out here. Okay, there you are, Michael. Thank you, Bernadette. Hold on, I'll get to you in a second. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How you're, are you? you're, okay, so you're on an OAP pension of 253 a week. Yeah. So one of the things that you're constantly looking towards in the winter is what will your energy cost be? So compare them for me between, say, um, now and, and last year or the last bill, will you? Well, the, the, the bill I got in the door now is 345 euros. Okay. Is that gas and electric? Gas and electric, yeah. 345, okay, yeah, for January, there's February. Only two, there's only two of us in the apartment. That's all. Um, the previous to that, 206. Previous to that, 164. Previous to that, 226. Two, previous to that, 109. Then one, 
189 and then there was one in the new year when we moved in to so 300. Okay, I suppose the, the 109 is probably during the summer months and the you know the 206s and 210s, they're probably the winter. So the best comparison would be from 206 to 345, wouldn't it? It would indeed, Neil, it would indeed. Mother of God. And, I mean, it must have come as a shock. Can you pay it? Oh, I can't. Well, I... I, I, I I, I was a kind of a military man in one, in one sense, and uh, a contingency plans there. Um, I, I, I opened up a sub account in my credit union. As the man said, we had a little battle in the corner for throwing the coins in. Yeah. And I had only for the two of those. I wouldn't have been able to start the bill because when I got the bill in the door, I said to the person on the other side of the, the bill paying road, um, I said, I have 253 of a pension, and you're sending me a bill out for 345, you know. I mean, there's people there living in fear now that, you know, they're either going to go without their food or not turn on their the heating and all, you know. Yeah, that's a, that's so, over a 50% increase. It is indeed. For the, for, so, to, like November, December was 206. January, February, 345. 345. Okay. Yeah. And you're going to have a, you're going to have another one like that, I'd say, for March, April. Yeah, and, 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 and what he said to me on the phone, then actually you'll be grand now, the next one, oh, it'll be a bit easy, you know, you're getting your 200, you know, but what I done, you know, they, um, they've been paid 200 themselves from the government, or all that. So, it's not hurting they them, hurt. they're not giving it to you. They're not giving it to no. and, and like, they're going to get it back then through the, the the vet with the, the big companies again, so they, they're giving it one hand, taking it back, and you know what I mean. Yeah, and also bear in mind that there's another increase on the way as well because there was another one announced last week. So that other increase could be 25, 27% more in your March, April bill. Yeah, I mean, when we got the, the, the pension raise there, five euros, I can compare it to a minister's uh, raise of 15,000 in the year. And like you have bread, bread is going to increase now, the grain imports are going to increase. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, do you have to cut back in any way, Michael, as a pensioner? Well, um, yeah, I just you know make make adjustments. I just, I, have, I just have to make adjustments. Like you know, you I mean you you have to live in what you you, you get like with, and um, everything seems to be going up. Like no matter what, whether you're driving a car, not, you're paying it out in petrol, you're paying it out. Rate is going to go up. Everything is. And have you had to cut back on the heat? And again, it is an apartment. I, it's I not have, a big house. I need. I tell you, when I got the bill in. I didn't turn on the the, the gas or the electric of the the gas at all last night. But now, you know what I what I would do now. I would be turning it on now at six o'clock and turning it off at night. But it's just you in three hours. And what about the, during the day? During the day, no. Okay, but if you're in your home during the day and it's a cold day or a wet day and a damp day, uh, how do you keep warm? Me, yeah, I have a good old quilt there and watch a bit of TV. So you put a quilt around you watching the yeah, television? Yeah, yeah, and a cup of tea in there, yeah. Do you never have to do that before, though? No, never had to. How does that make you feel? Um, it's just a society in itself. I was just kind of a bit mad knowing that you're just a, you're just a number now and everything. And, you know, the profit is their, their thing now and they just, they're not worried about the outcome of a person and uh, the, the health of a person. You know, they're, just, they're not interested at like when I try to explain to man the, the phone, you know, I say, ah, I should look, we'll adjust this, we can pay this every week, we can pay this. You're still a bill going out every week and it's a deduction from your own pension. Right? And I suppose, in all fairness to the people you're talking on the phone, it's not you know, their fault. It's in their fault. No. So, do you know what I mean? No. Yeah, yeah. 
That's the thing about it. Like they're probably dealing with the brunt of it on the phones. Oh, I mean, I mean, I mean they're, they're, getting, they're getting it left, right, and centre from everybody. Like, and then I mean, you know, they're only doing their job. I'm blown away actually by the texts that I've been receiving on it let me read some of them out but thank you so much Michael for taking the call appreciate it you're so welcome mind yourself there they are all day sitting down wearing quilts around them to stay warm putting the heating on only from 6 until 9 Bernadette good morning hi there Neil how are you what's your story girl uh, well, I mean, I, I hear from so many people like Michael, and God, I'm just so angry even listening um, there to his story because his story is not unique. Um, I'm hearing all the time from people who are now putting their coats on uh, when they're sitting at home and they're putting quilts around them, as Michael said. Putting on extra um, jumpers, it, extra socks. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's totally unsustainable, these increases for people on low fixed incomes. I mean, that is the bottom line. And unless the government really engages with that, Neil. People like Michael are going to continue suffering like that. And that is not acceptable in, in 2022 in, in Ireland. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, they we say, oh, yeah, we're cutting the VAT for 13 and a half down to nine, so that's 100 yeah, for you. We're giving you a 200 yeah. euro credit. Yeah. Go on away now. Yeah, yeah. Listen to me about that 200. First of all, it's absolutely scandalous that every household in the country is getting that. That includes millionaires and billionaires are getting 200 euros. I said that months ago. It should have been means tested. Absolutely. You see, unless we have far more uh, targeted response to this issue, I mean, that is an absolute waste of taxpayers' money. Those people on those high incomes do not need it. And, And maybe many of them don't want it, but it's automatically coming off their electricity. But, of course, the work wasn't done. Uh, to ensure that it was just going to be targeted to low-income people. And I think this is the problem. This is the ad hoc approach. Uh, you know, I would say the finger-in-the-dike approach that the government has been taking to this, all the while while people on the ground are actually freezing and suffering. And, I mean, this, this has become a cliche now between people choosing between heating and eating, but actually that is the reality. That's what I'm hearing uh, from people all of the time. And we need a, a, we need a major increase in social welfare. Mm. You know, we have pensioners who are on fixed income. We have carers who are on fixed incomes. Mm. People who are working 24-7 who are trying. And I mean, I hear from people, the older people particularly, they, they're very cold, so they need the heating on more. But of course they and do. they're yeah. absolutely terrified to put on the heating. They're absolutely terrified if a bill falls through the door. Now, come on, is that what we want for our elderly people, for our older people in Ireland? Is is there any chance that an elderly person or a family in the days that we're living now would actually be cut off by the ESB or the gas company? Well, I would hope not. I would absolutely hope not. But another thing, of course... But then again, what would happen is they would get get charities to help them out. Not the the state. It would be Vincent de Paul, Uh, Penny Dinners, organisations like that would come in and pay the bill. Well, listen, we've been relying so long and fair juice to people out there who are doing that amazing work. But sure, look at Vincent de Paul and whatever. They'll tell you they're completely inundated. And inundated from people who never would have come to them. You know, so that's telling us something. That's really highlighting something. But equally scandalous, um, Neil, is the standing charge, the increase, the equivalent increase in standing charge in your bill. So if I never put on a light bulb, we'd never used a bit of electricity or gas or any of us, we would still be billed with a huge standing charge. And I asked, and I asked about that some time yeah. back to Energia. What is a standing charge? Mm. I, I believe it's a charge to get the electricity or the gas physically into your property. 
isn't oh, it? Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So I think so that's, that's what, what they're just. And I said, but like, sure, like. Yeah. That's in the price of the gas you incorporate. No, 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 that, that, that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, no, well, look, I mean, come on. I mean, what we have to really, I suppose, research even farther is the level of, of profits that companies are making. You know, you know, pri- privatisation of any of these things. You see, when we got the... I'm old enough to remember that when the, the electricity came to Ireland, it was a service that was given to people. It was a public service. And I said, look, this is going to make your life so much better. And in many ways, of course, it did. Look at all the electrical appliances and everything. It was never meant to be privatised. It was never meant but to isn't, be. But isn't Electric Ireland subsidiary of the ESP? Yeah, well, they are subsidiaries. It's the, the profit, is, it's the profit arm yeah, of ESP, it, isn't it? it? It's the profit arm. It's the profit arm. And anywhere where we see profit... We know that there's going to be increases because there's money to be made. Okay, so here are the ESB declared profits, right? 2020, 619 million euro. 2021, 679 million euro. That's nearly 1.3 billion profit in two years. And that's from Mervyn who emailed me those stats. 1.3 1.3 billion profit in 2020 yeah. and 2021. It's, like it's, it's massive. It's massive in the face of when you look at the other end of the spectrum of people like Michael putting a duvet over him, suffering older people who have no opportunity, by the way, to earn another income. They're on that set income. So are carers. So are people on disability allowances so often. They're, they're on these set so incomes why, and they're, they're at the mercy. They're why, at the mercy need. Of why does the ESB need to make any profit at all? Why can't it just well, break even? Well, there, there, there's a question for the ESB. I mean, when we go back, oh, I feel... It's an interesting question services, to get an answer to, wouldn't it be? It, it's a very important question. To nationalise services, to ensure it's like water, it's a basic, we need it. We need electricity as a basic. It isn't something that people should be absolutely terrified that they're not going to have if they don't pay a bill or have to go to Vincent de Paul Society or whatever. This kind of hamster wheel thing where people are constantly just living in fear of an ex-bill. And do you know Absolutely. why their profits went up, yeah. I'd say, in 2021 by something like 60 million? You know, 16, 619 million 600, in 20, yeah, yeah, yeah. and 2021, 670. Yeah. Because people were at home more because of COVID. So COVID, well, COVID benefited <laughs> ESP's profits. Well, well, absolutely. I mean, I talked about that before and something um, about the stay-at-home policy. And at the time, we're calling for a doubling of fuel allowance, for example, because the government had a policy of stay-at-home. It forgot that in staying at home, people were actually going to be in the home far more down. and they were going to be cold. Yeah, chalk it down. Yeah. Do you think we might ride this out, though, as we head into the summer and then, you know, bills will drop and then maybe next winter prices will have dropped again, that it's a temporary thing? It's well, painful, it's such but on- temporary. Yeah, I think there's huge uncertainties. And I think the war in Ukraine, you know, equally, all of that is feeding into all of this. But of course, what we have to do really is to take it back and review the whole lot. Do we need an ESB that's making profits? You know, kind of very important and basic, but very essential questions to be asked. Why do you have to increase your standing charge? What is that all about? Um, What are we going to do for people on fixed incomes? Throwing a 200 euros on one bill what, what difference is that going to make when the next bill comes in? I know, just, you, you know, I know. So we, we need real solutions, not sticking plaster solutions. Um, finger in the dike stuff doesn't work. It doesn't work for people. Um, take, I, shorter, take shorter journeys. Take shorter showers. Listen, ban l- turf. Listen, come on. Listen, come on. Listen, said by people, Neil, who never will have to experience it. Well, they never have a cold life. or hungry day anyway. 
Well, exactly. So, I mean, people who are making those decisions, not having to have the lived experience on the ground, and therein lies the problem, of course. So we need to be having more of these conversations as well and, and, and looking at it overall about what needs to change. I mean, my goodness me, I mean, we might be singing that from, from the rooftop. I know it. But we've got to keep saying it because there's a lot of people out there who don't feel they have a voice. And hopefully in these conversations, we're giving voice to the real issues on the ground. Okay, and a pleasure listening to your voice on it. Thank you, Bernadette. Appreciate it. And thank you so much again, Neil. Take okay, care. Take care, yourself. Uh, interestingly, lots and lots of texts and people talking about what one hectare is. It's nearly two and a half acres. I mentioned that actually because City Council have just sold land. Um, they sold land uh, to uh, the IDA on the north side of the city and it comes in as 3.8 hectares to the IDA's strategic property division. I suppose they're going to, the IDA then will, you know, put businesses there. It might be, I don't know, it could be tech. It could be something like Apple or something or an equivalent to that. And that will, of course, um, you know, bring jobs, but not houses. So I was just asking the question, why would they sell nearly four hectares for 1.25 million? If a hectare is two and a half acres, then that's 10 acres, isn't it? That's nearly 10 acres of prime city land for one and a quarter million euro. Now, I'm no auctioneer or property value or land volume or that matter, but it strikes me as being very, very cheap. Anyway, with regards to the cost of living, thank you so much. He says, don't give up my details. And I never thought I'd find myself writing such a letter, but I'm retired on the grounds of disability for years. But now I find myself miserable on top of my ailments and my disabilities. Miserable. The whole day now is spent ensuring no electric items are on that shouldn't be on. Heating is on for one hour each morning, only to start the house out well after the cold nights. My fire is lit at six at night because the nights are cold. I go to bed early to start the dreadful existence all over again. From March 25th, 2020 to March 25th, 2022, um, the following has increased by the ESB. Units price increases by 25%. Standing charges increases by 25%. The PSO, public service levy, increases by 52%. VAT charges on consequence increases by 31% as a consequence. Why does VAT go up? Well, the VAT payment goes up because the unit prices went up. The standing charge go up. The PSO goes up. So more VAT is made. That's a price increase over two, over the past two years. And the ESB declared a profit in 2020 of 619 million euro. And in 2021, 679 million euro. That's nearly 1.3 billion euro profit in two years for the ESB. They gave a dividend to the government, 2021, of 130 million euro. So one third of 200 the government is supposed to give us uh, was paid by us to the ESB and given to the government as a dividend. The remaining two thirds from the increase in VAT because of the price increase. So they've given us back what we already gave them in the first place. Neil, I have to say this whole climate change agenda is going to shorten elderly people's lives. Never has a small grouping of people influenced and destroyed our nation in so short a time as the Green Party. And never has there been such gullible and weak leadership in government, both Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, to absorb the rhetoric of the Greens. The whole climate change debate is completely one-sided in both the politics and the media. I believe the actions of the government and our semi-state ESB are unconstitutional. 
Natural justice and fair procedures does not apply to this climate change debate. Should the ESB be making such profits at the hands of its 1.6 million households? It's time for a change in a lot of things in this country. Country shut down, ESB makes over a billion profit. It's immoral and a similar 25% increase in, com- in coming May with also a level a levy increase. It is totally disheartening, says he. And that kind of sums it up for me. But again, same old question. What are we going to do about it? Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. That's the number, 0818-104-106. Many people are texting 0868-104-106. Hold on there, Marie. I'll talk to you in a second. Jim up first. Jim, good morning. Neil, how are you, boy? I'm good. You wouldn't believe the text, pal. The text after text after text and all the bills are just going north. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, so everybody is screaming and no one's listening, um, including our politicians, which we elected to represent us. I mean, they're, they're elected, by the way, to make our lives easier. And here's the, re- here's the real world scenario for you. I was billed 500 for November to January and 400, 480 now to pay for January to March. So that's a thousand euro, they're saying. And they're threatening to disconnect us because I'm already in arrears. People can't yeah. keep all this up. Oh no, it's going to be it's going to be shut down. And I sent you an ESP bill there where they've given us the two hundred euros. There, I don't know. Did you get that? I, I, well, I haven't seen it, but I take your word for it. But like, are, would you think they actually will disconnect people? Yeah, but they put the boxes on. Like they've, they've already met this uh, years ago there on, on the last bust where they get people to pay as you go boxes. You know, you buy the the card and the shop. So that's all they do. They won't let anyone without power. It's just that you still won't be able to pay it, you know. Okay, but, but what about you. the debt? Okay, so from going forward after they put the boxes in, if you don't put money in, you have no heat or you no power. Well, you get you get the well. It's not money, you know. You buy the car. Yeah, well, it's it money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have no power, then that's your choice. To put on your court. You voted from. Like this is a semi-state body. They shouldn't be doing what they're at. The government are taking millions on vats. Even the two hundred euros they gave us for the ESB, they took the vat off that, which is. Uh, 23, 24 euros. They got that back straight away. They have to stop. But am I missing like, something? I mean, that they made 1.3 billion profit in two years. Why do they need to even make a profit? It's a service they, that, you know. They don't. They don't. But you listen, the government are, are good at collecting taxes. Everything you look at, it's a tax. They, they're going to make sure that you don't get your head above the water. They want to keep you down. But what they're doing to the 25-year-olds, the 35-year-olds, they can't get houses. This population, we're going to lose that young population. Get that right in your head. Your son, my son, they're going to emigrate. But they should <laughs> emigrate, Jim. For f- but they should have a choice to emigrate. They're being forced to emigrate, Neil. There's a difference. But they must do for a while and maybe come back again sometime they later. They come back. We for all their know. own career choice, for their own enjoyment of life. Absolutely. Go for the crack, but not for life. You've spoken to plenty of people from Australia, Neil, on your show that are permanently living in Australia. They're never coming back. I also speak to people who are thinking of coming back and I say to them, are you crazy? Faraway hills may be greener. You might be happy for a month or two, but you'll regret it. Yeah, but even if they do come back, Neil, they're back into the same soup that we're in, right? They can't get a home. I know know you take with all the refugees. Anyone that was waiting for a corporation home will not get it. They won't get it. Get that right in your head. You're in rented accommodation. Yeah, the misfortunes from Ukraine. They won't want houses at all. They'll go, I, they'll I, go I, home. They'll they go won't. Home. They'll stay. And they're welcome. Don't get me wrong. They're all welcome. But my, my argument here, Neil, is, is with the government. We're voting in people like Michal Martin and, and, and COVID, a whole lot of them, and they're not helping the people. And you're going to vote them in again next time. And my advice to everyone is, 
don't vote for anyone that's in power this time. Nobody is doing you any favours. No one should get a vote off you. Make it a complete clean sweep. Start in Cork. Vote for no one that's in. Yeah, but what if you end up putting you? in a load of headless chickens with no experience? Sure, they could do. That could be chaos. But should we have headless chickens up there? We have a couple of cocks up there, and they're running the rest of the chickens. Yeah, well, that's well put. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I put it this way. I, I, I certainly think we're going to lose our, 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 our um, bloody neutrality, right? If I had my way, I'd put in a party. I call it the White Party. No, I don't want you to go say we're in the year 2022. You can't call it the White Party. I don't want you to go down and say that. The White Party is the middle of our flag, and we need people to get involved in the middle of the road. People that represent me, you, and the ordinary people on this road, on, the, on this country. We have to get rid of the Fianna Falls, the Fianna Gales, the Sinn Féins. They have to go. They are, are you, not representing anyone. What are you left with then? Well, it's all new people. Do you think it's going to be worse? Well, you they... speak to very educated people on the radio every day, yeah. and some of them I would love to see in power. The last man that spoke there... That letter you wrote out, that's retired. I'd vote for him. He's the kind of guy I want in there. With life experience of the real world, is what you're saying. And he's in, tu- and he's in touch with himself. Yeah. And he's in touch with the army people. I don't want anybody going up there making jobs in themselves, the civil service. They're robbing us for getting away with it. They're doing it legally. They need to go. And not only should they go... Once they go, the next show that get in should investigate what they've done. But you know that... And a whole lot of them should go to jail. For what? They're criminals. What should we jail them first? There's no laws broken as such. Morally, they might have been um, questionable, but no laws broken. Yeah, listen, we'll just, we'll just run the revenue at them, so the same as they've done it's, to us. It's very interesting because TDs will always tell you that they go into the doll with the best of intentions and they're in there a while and they realise that they're powerless. They're sitting on their hands. They have to follow the whip or else it's the public sector and the senior civil servants who are actually calling the shots, not the TDs at all. It's just a talking well, shot. Do you not think that needs to change? Well, I think it does absolutely need to change. Yeah. Why, 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 vote, why vote for anybody? If somebody got voted this time, why put them in again? They've had four or five years to sort it out. They've done nothing. Okay. Don't put them in. All right. Nice one, Jim. Can I talk to Marie, if you don't mind? Stay in touch. Thanks for listening. Marie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay. Now, you are the, you're on an old age pension um, and deserving of every penny of it. But how are you surviving at the moment? Well, I'm on a sleep up machine uh, from 10 at night or 11 at night until 10 in the morning. A sleep up machine. That's something that you plug in and wear a mask when you go to bed. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. It's for breathing. Okay. Okay. And you also stuff. you also have the old mobility scooter charge in the way as well, haven't you? Exactly. If you leave that charge overnight, we're going to open it in okay. the morning. So your medical related energy costs are something that you have to pay on top of all of your heat and your light and everything else. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I how are the bills bill. working out for you? I didn't get it yet. The last bill I got that was one hundred fifty six thousand electric. 156 yeah. for electric and do you have any gas? Was, I have gas, yeah, but I only put it on by night. You only put the heat? Only, oh, right. So the the gas, uh, it's gas heating, is it? Yeah. And if the electric was 156, what was the gas? I guess it was 160 something, I think, as far as I know. Okay. But I'm waiting on this bill not to come, you know. Okay. I'm dreading this. I am dreading this. I, th- I think that's 316 the last time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not that, but there's a lot of people out there on sleep back machines and mobility scooters. I know. That, I know. That's not talking, you know. And when that bill comes in, you'll also hopefully have the 200 off it, you know, so that'll be something. But have you well, cut back on it? Uh, what? What about the next day? Sure, well. You know? Yeah. 
Have you cut back at all? You hear? Uh-huh. Michael's yeah. saying that he's got uh, he's got a duvet wrapped around him during the day in the house. Well, I have a cover here, like, and I'm so, it's just a throw, you know what I mean? A throw. Are you, you're at home a lot, sure, aren't you? Yeah, I don't go that much now. Yeah. Be different if Quite you were going out to work and you were going into a place that was, you know, heated or lit by your employer, but you're at home all day. I am. The only place I go to is uh, hospital appointments, which I'm going on in a minute. You know? Yeah, I know. That's a taxi up and taxi down. I know, I know. So, you, you'll be anxious about the next bill, I suppose, because um, it's bound, oh, it's bound to be I'm more. I am dreading it. I am dreading it. Bound to be more. I'm All right, girl, look after yourself and thanks for getting in touch. Okay. Take thanks care, girl. Me. Take care. I'm a student in Limerick, and we ordered oil for our house last semester. We got uh, the full. We got full three months out of four hundred euro, and I had to get another tank for this semester. We paid six hundred for the same amount. Remember now, four hundred for the last fill, six hundred for this fill, and it only lasted us a month and a half. Um, there are five in the house: prepay power and oil, which is now costing a thousand euro every four weeks. Isn't that incredible? That's a, a Mallow girl, but in college in UL and living in Castle Troy. Um, here's another example. And thank you to everybody who sent me very personal information. They have been sending me, and thank you for them, their time capsule from the census. And I'm endeavoring to read out as many as I can. If you still have photocopies of your census time capsule, feel free to send them to me if you would like me to share them with the good people of Cork. And here's another one for you. Ireland is a, cru- is a cold, cruel place for people with disabilities and carers. This is a message now to the people of 2022, remember. Ireland is a cold, cruel place. There are no services, no supports, no respite, no future. Everything is waiting lists in 2022. No accountability. We're seen as a burden, you see, a problem. I'm tired of being forgotten, of being treated like a third-class citizen, of burning out from physical, emotional and financial strain. Ireland has lost her way. Our government has left the most vulnerable behind. Who will hear our voices and show strength and leadership? Who will change our future? Things can and need to change. Suicide rates are at an all-time high. Morale at an all-time low. This is not the Ireland of the old. Sorry, pardon me. This is not the Ireland of old. There is no compassion, no real understanding. It's every man woman for themselves. I write this in hope there will be change and a brighter future. So that will be read in 2022 by that person's relations, families and descendants, which I think is a powerful thing that in a hundred years that story will be shared by that person's descendants. What will they make of it, I wonder? Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. So you probably guessed I'm loving your census time capsules. I'm loving the stories that you're sending to 2022. Just quickly, oh, I had listened, the tax came in there a few minutes ago, texting the traffic is backed up from the Kinsale Road roundabout to the Bull McCabe's due to the exit towards Toker being closed. So traffic is down to one lane. Allow yourself some extra time and take it handy. I told you the story there of um, Oscar Schindler. Schindler's uh, secretary, who he actually saved, and then she went on to be a secretary for many years. She died there yesterday at the age of 107. Mimi Reinhardt died in Israel. She was one of the 1,200 Jews saved by by Schindler. And thank you to a listener who sent me in uh, a very interesting tweet about Sister Kate McCarthy from Cork. 
So Sister St. McCarthy, Kate McCarthy, is a nun, and she was from Cork, and she worked with the French Resistance, and she smuggled over well over 120 soldiers to safety. Um, she was arrested, apparently, and interrogated by the Gestapo, and she was sentenced to death, but sent to Ravensbrook Concentration Camp, where she was made to work there. But what did Sister Kate McCarthy do when she was in the concentration camp? She made intentionally faulty German parachutes. They made parachutes for the German Luftwaffe in the concentration camp. That was her job. But she made sure that they didn't work properly. And she made sure that they were faulty. So it's an incredible story. I bet you there's someone listening to me now that knows more about Sister Kate McCarthy from Cork. Get in touch. Email neil at redfm.ie, text 0868104106. And we add her to the list of other incredibly brave men and women, including Mary Elms. And, of course, uh, the as they call him, the rogue priest of the Vatican, Monsignor Hugh O'Flaherty. He was kind of like Ireland's Oscar Schindler, one of our greatest historical figures because his cunning and deception um, saved the lives of about six and a half thousand uh, prisoners of war and civilians during World War II because he was in the Vatican and he, he was persecuted by the Gestapo and the Germans, but he was well able for them. He's not an incredible man. He's buried down in the church cemetery in, in Carcevine. Uh, and I think I remember correctly that Gregory Peck played him in a, a TV movie way back in the early 80s called The Scarlet and the Black. Back after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Now the time, sense, a time capsule uh, census. Uh, in Ireland in 2022, carers are treated like third-class citizens. Children with disabilities are left to linger on waiting lists that they never come to the top of. The current government do not care about families struggling with disabilities, nor those who care for them. And that will be read in 2022. Perhaps if everything goes right for those in, in, in sorry, in 2122, perhaps in a hundred years time, there will be no such thing as waiting lists if things go right for them. But, you know, it's our responsibility to try and make sure that it's right for them in a hundred years time. Your great grandchildren, your great great grandchildren or whatever. Maybe there'll be, if it goes right, there'll be no hospitals, there'll be no disabilities, there'll be no diseases, there'll be no pandemics, there'll be no hunger, there'll be no war. I don't know, it's 100 years away. Uh, pensioners on 250 euro are screwed altogether, worked all their lives, paid all the government taxes, paid all the politicians' salaries, and they get a miserly sum of 250 euro. When refugees who contributed nothing to the country will get the very same entitlements as those who worked there all their lives. Uh, another text. The sad reality is, I fear, Neil, it's only going to get worse. The average person was already struggling to balance a decent quality of life and to keep a budget going. Government would make you believe that some of the hardest working, low paid workers should actually cut back more. It's a disgrace that they feel they're entitled, yet we shouldn't be entitled to a nice holiday in the sun maybe once a year. And we should budget our money better. And we should take shorter showers. All of you who support sanctions to Russia without any economic education are actually to blame. Because every sanction to your business partner, in this case Russia, are always sanctions on yourself. That's why they never work. Try paying your bills with the flag you all put on your profiles. I'm no Russian and I want the war to stop. But why do Irish residents have to pay 
as a neutral country. I bet after this Russian war, America will start one sooner or later, as always. Will you sanction America? Ireland is, after all, neutral. A powerful text. Another one. We have to remember in the 1800s, it was the English landlords that drove the Irish to mass immigration and starvation. In 2022, it's the Irish government, along with their consortiums, that are driving the Irish to suicide and starvation. We will be remembered as a nation that never stood up to the underhanded tactics of Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and the Greens. These politicians are nothing but self-righteous, greedy gits. I said it over and over again. This island of ours was sold when the Troika arrived during the recession and Fianna Fáil went and bailed out the banks. Each Irish person owns a share in the banks that were bailed out, but it's the government parties that will prosper from the destruction of the nation. Don't you also think that in 2122, you know, when they're reading the news stories of 100 years ago or they open the census, you know, because they will be able to in 100 years' time, clearly, uh, they'll, they might end up saying to each other, over coffee or lattes or pints or whatever the case may be. Why did they put up with all of that back in 2022? I mean, were they all sheeple or people? Um, we need to get out on the streets and fight back. There's a short text for you. Uh, or, or corrupt, overpaid politicians are giving themselves another pay rise. Absolutely disgusting what these greedy, corrupt politicians are doing to the people of Ireland. They do not deserve the wage they're getting, let alone a pay rise, as well as claiming expenses of 40 grand or more a year. Taxpayers need to have a say in where their money goes. These greedy politicians need to go. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I, I think they're actually completely overwhelmed, actually, you know, that they really are just drowning, floundering, just don't know how to deal with it anymore uh, and don't have any answers. And a lot of it, of course, has to do with the fact that they actually don't have control themselves of what they need to do. Uh, the bureaucracy involved in Irish politics and Irish government is just Mind-blowing, I would think. Uh, back to the phone lines we go, and then some more texts, I promise you that. Seamus, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? I'm good. I'll plough through some calls, so off you go. Oh, yeah, no, just some powerful statements there. But I agree Aren't they? Yeah. I mean, what are we going to do about it, apart from powerful statements? Well, I suppose we live in a country whereby, you know, people have become, you know, conditioned to be compliant and and silent and sit there and fear, you know, fear saying anything. And really what they need to do is just simply stand up and demand a general election, you know. Are you watching, you you're watching France now with Marie Le Pen. I mean, that's very yeah, interesting. I, I mean, that's I, interesting. I don't, I, yeah, I, I can't imagine she'll get in. Like, it would you, would you, would you say that's far right? But she's far right, you know, her history and I think her relatives, well, I think it's her father's. Uh, so don't, right do you think that if she it. does, that the French are just saying, we have just had it? We've had enough. I mean, see, there's more and more play here as well. You know, you have Vladimir Putin at the moment looking to dismantle Europe, and what he'd love to see is one of the superpowers of Europe uh, have a far right leader. who think, you know, you know, have similar uh, viewpoints at some level on yeah. mental things yeah. themselves. So, you yeah. know, that's a dangerous thing. But the French aren't stupid. You know, the French looking for the rest of Europe. You know, they, we don't we don't have that doing. kind of counterbalance in politics. Should we don't? No. No, we don't. I think I think it's a, it's a pe- the people of the country. I think we, I really believe, like you know, that we're just conditioned. We're, we're, we're far too conditioned to be uh, compliant. You know, uh, you know. It's it, like I, I suppose what the government wants is a nation of workers. You know, uh, not 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 like thinkers as such. Like they don't want people to kind of step up and, and question things. Just roll with it as soon as they're in power. But you won't get that in France. You know, the French people are different grades altogether, and if they're not happy with what 
being delivered, they will stand up. And yeah, stop. yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, that's the way the country's evolved. But like the next election is absolutely pivotal in terms of where this country's going to go with the state of Europe at the moment. But I, I honestly don't believe that. And you know, if you're a young person now, I mean, if you think about your children, even if you don't think about your own generation in respect of what age you are, but if you don't think about your children's future in this country. Um, when you you know, but may, but but, but in some ways, a lot of people are thinking of their children's future, and that's why they think with the well, climate. Well, that's why they think with the climate hat on, you know. And then they yeah, get then they get called loonies or hippies or supporting the green, but greens. But there may be nowhere for our grandchildren to live. You know, you know the climate action thing. That's a war, I suppose. But there's a number of other battles to fight, isn't there? In the meantime economically and with other wars going on, like, you know, you have to look at how your country's run. I mean, this is supposed to be one of the richest countries in the world and it treats it treat, it's, it's, uh, poorly, uh, its own poor nationals, should I say, uh, apparently. Like, I mean, I, I can't even, I'm not taking away from the Ukrainian refugees, it's awful what they're going through, but surely when you're sitting with the other delegates in Europe, like, and you're representing Ireland, who is a member of the EU, you, you know, you would discuss these things and, and rationally and say, well, there's only so many we can take in because we really have a lot of problems that with managing yeah, um, yeah, well, But they don't do that. This, you know, is, see, this is where Fianna Fáil ultimately... Well, what would you be suggesting that we just said, uh, we, we, we're well, not, not, not going to bother, we won't take any at all? Well, no, no, I don't, I don't mean that. I, I think you can take some all right, but you have to be rational about it as well. You know, we, we have the country next to over 67 million people there. I suppose, okay, we have Brexit and so on. They're not taking nowhere near the amount we are. You know, this is a country of 5 million people here that already has one in five on waiting lists in hospitals. Has 15,000 homeless families and up to 4,500 homeless Irish children. Well, and, you know, and, and what's, what's upsetting for many listening to me is that a lot of those on waiting lists don't have medical cards. Um, uh, so therefore, but then again, even those that do have medical cards, their waiting lists are even longer than those people can afford to go private. So it's it, yeah. like it's but just it, a complete quagmire. It's, it's a, yeah, that's the word to describe it, Neil. And ultimately, you know, like if you think it's going to change any uh, any time soon under the current um, government, I think that's just delusion. You know, I know understand people can be politically affiliated or have certain types of beliefs. But the grounding, the fundamental beliefs and, and policies that were promised by this government, you know, they'll use every angle to kind of make excuses like COVID and then the war. But now pre-COVID, um, pre-COVID, back to January 2020, um, there were 900,000 people on, on uh, waiting lists in hospitals. We had just over 10,000 homeless families in this country. And, you know, the same faces were in power for the last... I could fill a week of programmes just talking to people who are either surf couching now or 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 the clock is ticking on their uh, eviction notice. Exactly, and for those people, and for not just them, but if you you actually think about your children's future in this country, do you want to grow up in a country whereby you just know they'll finish their exams, they'll pursue, you know, know, it doesn't have to be college, it can be work, whatever it may be, they'll realise they're living in a place that's just catering for like multi-millionaires and you may as well just leave and why, emigrate I don't want to see my children emigrate therefore I don't want this government in like, why did Cork City Council why did Cork City Council nearly sell nearly 10 acres of Northside land to the IDA for just over a million euro you know yeah, there are houses yeah. for sale now in Cork for a million euro well you know, uh, you know why wouldn't they the build nation? on 10 acres of land 10 acres of family homes yeah, and the nation isn't blind either, you know. At the end of the day, I'm not taking away from Ukrainian refugees, but how, you know, if you think about it even economically, you don't need to be a mathematician again. An influx of 200,000 refugees into a country that has, like, problems that are off the scale historically, 
at this point. It, it just it can't justify itself. So you know, it's amazing how we can roll out all of these facilities for hundreds of thousands of refugees, but we couldn't actually solve the problem. Oh, so the point is, how do how do we manage to come up with the money or the will to do this when we couldn't do it all along? Well, that's it. Yeah. And many well, are saying know, we, it's because we need to, we want to look good in the eyes of international countries and politics and other politicians. All oh, the Irish are brilliant. Yeah, yeah, that, that's typical of this country, though. You know, they, they play upon the, the sentiment. I mean, Michal Martin was an interview on the on the British News on BBC, I think, at one point um, a number of weeks ago, and he was asked uh, by what uh, a presenter with a perplexed-looking face, and that question as to the number of refugees you're willing to take in, and you know. Can you sustain that and so on? And he, he just tried to dissuade from that and say, well, you know, the, the, will, it's the will of the Irish people, you know, they're, they're so just, uh, like horrified by this that we feel we must act on behalf of our own, the will of our own Irish people. And bring mm, it to yeah, like, no, I'm, I'm no, very democratic about people having an opportunity on this programme, but I have to say, I was quite impressed with him on that. I think it was uh, Emily Mattis, I think, Mattis on the BBC asked him that question. I'm open to correction on that, but I thought he batted yeah. that one quite well. He said, this is a war. These are people who uh, are losing their lives, losing limbs, losing their homes, yeah. having bombs rained down upon them. Yeah. Um, well, we, we have no choice in this matter but to help. It would be well, immoral yeah, you not have to. A no, she, and she was, she was trying to poke him on, yeah, but are you not doing any, an interesting point, are you not doing any checks on their background? Yeah. And he said, they're women and children. <laughs> You know? It's not all women and children arriving into, the, into this country. That's you know that's that's another political statement. It's not taking away from the women and children that have suffered, but there you know this Ukraine is known to be one of the most corrupt countries in in Europe. So therefore, you must check what's coming in. I mean, it's out of everyone's safety. You know, it's for the sake of everyone's safety, but nationally and internationally, to check everyone that's moving in. You know, they may move in, but you must be checked. But he just opens the floodgates again. You know, this happens donkey's years ago. It's happening all over again. It will happen again in the future. But in terms of what's going on in this country, like, uh, you know, I, I, how will you justify re-electing that? Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you, Seamus. Uh, just mentioned there a point there with regards to, you know, the country or the world that we leave for our children's children and their children after them. You know, and I'm not necessarily talking about the price of housing, but just the planet having air to breathe or somewhere to live, you know, with receding coastlines and, uh, and things like that. And it kind of, it, I find it particularly at Easter time, because the amount of packaging now that you're seeing in shops around Easter is just atrocious. I mean, like... Where was I recently? I was inside in Dunn's and I've been into the Tesco's and I've been into the Aldi's and the Lidl. And of course they are selling things, a lot of the things that you need. But the packaging is just absolutely mind-blowing. It's like packaging within packaging within packaging. If you look at all of the Easter eggs, I mean the packaging involved in them, they look great and everything. And I suppose it's a sense of occasion. But would we ever reach a world where people who would do their shopping... And apart from eggs now, because you need, they're a fragile item. But would people ever think of just saying, okay, I'm leaving the packaging behind. Take the packaging out, leave it in the trolley, you know, and just bring your bags, take what you need. Very soon, I think, the message would start to filter back. Like that people want less and less packaging. They want the product, but not everything it comes with. The packaging, the cardboard, the plastic. Um, I mean, you've bought the product. You're, you know, you're no longer really... You don't have to be convinced anymore at that stage. And on top of that, if you look at the courier companies, and it's not their fault that they're delivering stuff from, you know, whether it's fashion shops or whether it's electrical companies or stuff coming from Amazon. But the boxes, I mean, like the amount of recycling we're doing, and it's in the, and it's in the house. It's got to be a better way. There, there really does. 
the, the packaging is in the house like for about 30 seconds and then it's out to recycling. It just makes no sense. Okay, do you want me to take that call or will I just take a break? It's up to you. I think there's a call waiting there. As soon as I get the number and the line. Yeah, okay, thank you. Line two. Paul, good morning. Morning, Neil. How's it going? I'm good. What's on your mind? I just had a couple of points about the, the, the energy crisis that people are going on about. Um, you know, Michael and Jim and people there that were ringing in, you know? Yeah. Um, everyone's saying about... Everyone's commenting about the housing... Uh, bills, but nobody's commenting about small business and businesses that, like you know, they have to use gas, they have to do, use electricity. Um, you know, it's a case of how much would you like to pay for a cup of coffee next year, That's or right. you know, That's a right. chip or, or where where would it stop with small business? Where where do they pass on the the um, you know well, where do they pass on the forty or seventy percent increases in some places? Yeah, you're spot on. Um, Interestingly, within hospitality, and this would be restaurants, cafes, uh, hotel kitchens and stuff like that, you know there are gas rings in the kitchen? I do. I would be very familiar with them, actually. Okay. They're always on, aren't they? Uh, constantly, from morning till night. They're, even when they're not being used, they're always on. So you can imagine. Constantly, yeah. Unless they're, unless they're telling chefs, you need to turn it off every single time, which probably wouldn't make sense. And you know, can you imagine it's what not, the cost it's increase? It's not possible. Yeah, it wouldn't be possible. Like a chipper, like you know, someone walks in, wants to buy, buy a bag of chips, they don't turn on the fire. It's on constantly. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and as for like the green generation, or like you know, the green party, you know, are, are looking for renewable this, renewable that. The next nine power stations that are being built are all gas powered. You know, so what about what about wind energy? Aren't we supposed to be putting up huge, big wind farms all over the place, or do people object I think to them? That, I, I think at the very best case scenario, there, I think um, th- their goal was for twenty twenty four. The very the the, the best uh, estimate they have there is forty percent on a good day, and a good day is actually a bad day. A wind, on a windy day, you mean? Is it exactly? Okay, yeah, okay. Know. So, how far will people chase the price of a burger? or a steak, or a cup of coffee exactly. that's seated in a cafe kind of thing. If you, had, if, you had a, if you had a gas bill at home for 200 euros last year, and you have 500 this year, that's one bill that you're, you're lumbered with. But when you go out for shopping, done stores don't have candles, they have lights. You know what I mean? Like, it, all, the frigger, all the refrigerators are still running. The prices of everything are going to go up. So have gone up. You do realise they have gone up substantially. Absolutely, yeah, okay. but you know we're, we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen a massive impact yet. You know, more to come. I, then. Just, wa- I, I just wonder what people think. I just wonder what people think about the small business. Where do you, where do you stop going? Like I, I, I looked my last month. I spent two hundred and eighty euros on in coffee shops. Did you? Uh, I did. Yeah, but I'd be travelling quite a lot. But that. That, ha- that would have to go if my bill is increased. So then the coffee shop... Hang on a second, it's 280 euros in a month? In a month, yeah. Would that be every month? Uh, up and down, but I travel quite a lot and, you know, you'd, you'd go into the garage, you'd get a coffee, you'd get a scone or whatever, and it's always seven and ten quid. And So you never take a euros. lunch with you or a flask like the old days, no? I would, I would. You know, but sometimes it doesn't, sometimes you just can't. Like, you know, or you'd be caught on the hop or, you know, you'd have to go somewhere that you, it was unexpected, you know. I have the so. calculator out now, unfortunately, uh, Paul. Um, and 280 a month on coffee and scones and sandwiches equates to €3,336 a year. Yeah. 
And I, I'd say I'd say there's hundreds of, of listeners that would do the same. People on the road, truck drivers, van drivers, you know, engineers, stuff that to people that are travelling that don't have the the office at hand with a microwave, whatever. It's it's about eleven euros a day. It is nine to, euro twenty a day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so if you do, like if my bill there now for two hundred and eighty last 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 month. That's that. I I, can't, I couldn't afford that if the prices start increasing. So then the coffee shops suffer, the garages suffer, the corner shops, you know. And nobody's commenting about the small businesses that nobody ha- would have. I know that, pay and for it's a like fabulous it. point, and it's well made. But I'm just back to the point that if you <laughs> you're spending, say three grand, because it take the weekends and stuff out of it. Say twenty eight hundred a year when you take the weekends out in coffee shops and buying sandwiches and scones. And if you made your own food and brought a flask with you, you would be up nearly three grand a year. Imagine what you could do with that. Absolutely. It'll, it'll go on gas and electric. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. All right, my man. Thanks, Paul. There, <laughs> it's a phenomenal amount of money, though. But think about it. It's, it's still nine euro a day. So somebody that drives for a living or does that kind of job where they're out and about all day long, maybe traveling the four corners of the country and spending nine euro a day, it's still like 27, 2800 a year when you take out weekends. It's a phenomenal amount of money. It really and truly is. Mike, good morning. How's it morning? I said to jump into you there before the ad break. What's on your mind? Oh, you you think you have an issue with uh, with turf? Is it or my comments about yeah, turf? No, no, I, I have an issue with your attitude to um, the, the conservation of the bogs. Right. Okay. Explain um, that to me. Yeah, you you, you seem to be making a light of it and and the critical uh, pseudo critical. Well, the, the what does pseudo what does pseudo critical mean though? Uh, it, it's it's a kind of. Um, you're you're not actually being critical, but you're you're kind of half laughing at it. Like. Well, no, I'm not. I don't think it's f- funny necessarily. But I but I buy turf uh, twice a year, yeah, yeah. and well, I well, buy blocks well, twice a year. Yeah. Well. Well. Okay. Let let let's get to the point. So, the point is, I I actually brought it to the attention of the authorities thirty five years ago, Neil, about the, the 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 bogs, the cutting of the bogs. Now, when you cut the the bogs, act as a sponge to soak up the rain in the winter time, and it releases. They release the the water then gradually over the year and you have constancy in the rivers. Right? Yeah, I, I understand what no, you're yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah. Now, now, when you cut the bogs, you're taking away the soakage and then you have flooding in the winter and shortage of water in the summer. Well, yeah, and it took 35 years for them to deal with that problem and now that they're dealing with it, uh, it it's almost too late because then you, once, the, once the bogs dries out, you can't reinstitute. It takes thousands of years for bogs to develop, and yeah. that's that's the cause of the flooding. And oh, like people have to realise that they can't keep cutting bogs, and they can't keep cutting wood. Well, well, there's a massive shortage of trees which produce the oxygen. But wh- so why? Okay, no, fair, fair play to you. I mean, you do know your stuff and and admire that in you. In fairness, but why not just cut back then or limit? rather than just saying an awful lot of people heat their house and heat their homes in rural Ireland with turf and wood. Yeah, but no, I'm not a a member of any political party at all and never have been. But it's the first time that that we had a Green Minister, really, um, and he's he's now um, establishing the, 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 the... the ban on, on bog cutting. But he doesn't and burn turf himself. He probably has some kind of renewable no. or some maybe a solar panel. I, 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 I don't know if he has or not, but I'm just saying, all I'm saying is that it's anybody who's do, burning turf and wood now 
are vandals, are environmental vandals. But what if it's their living? It, it, they just have to find a different living. If you, if you got fired tomorrow, you'll have to find a different living. It's just over, the cutting of the bugs is over. Otherwise, you'll be shortage of water. How about you? We couldn't no, be no, short of water. It rains here all of the time. Yeah, but you see, the point is it rains, and the, the bugs soak up the water uh, and hold the water and then release it gradually in, in, in streams all around the country and they form rivers. And that, that's where they, the water comes from. Okay. The water doesn't appear from Norway, you know. Okay, okay, okay. And, and, and the point is, like, it's, it's, we're 35 years working on this to try and get them, not that issue alone, but that's one of the issues, to try and get them to, to bring in um, conservation of the bogs. And they're not renewable, the bogs, no, are they? They're not renewable. They're not, you see, it, t- it takes thousands of years for a bog to develop. And when, when they're gone, they're gone. When you cut it to a certain level, it dries out then and it's no longer uh, able to soak up the water. Okay, okay. And, and then it's over. And the point is, there'll be terrible shortages of water if they don't stop it. I mean, drastic. So goodbye to the beautiful smell of a turf fire as we drive through country villages Absolutely and walk down goodbye country Absolutely, a beautiful memory. That's what it is. All right, okay. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Text 0868 Your thoughts on that and everything else. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. Another time capsule for you. And this will be read in 2122. Uh, politicians are still corrupt. Public service pensions are a disgrace and a massive drain on the economy. Public service pensions, those working in the public sector and the pensions they get. Putin needs to be stopped. China needs to be stopped. COVID-19 needs to be investigated. And what happened in nursing homes during the pandemic needs to be investigated. Olympic athletes should be funded appropriately and remove all funding from the GAA. Services for children with disabilities is non-existent. People think Tony Houlihan was a saint during COVID pandemic, forgetting the hand he played during the cervical smear test scandal and the fact that women died while he was at the helm. It's another person's time capsule that will be read in 2122. Everything is skyrocketing, Neil. Two bags of smokeless coal was €43 euro three weeks ago. It's now €53.50. Euro That's a tenor of an increase. Home heating oil is roughly one fifty a litre. It's crazy. I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, for the rest of the winter, or indeed for the rest of our lives. Plan and budget, people, the same as every other person in this country. Well, how can you plan and budget with money that you don't have? 34% of his income is now being used to pay his ESB bill. This is referencing a pensioner earlier. If he spends €10 a day on food for breakfast, lunch and dinner, that will leave him with a net income of €357 per month. That leaves eleven fifty-two a day for all those luxury items. So if you give up the smokes and the drink and the newspaper, put down the dog, give up give up getting sick, throw away the television, stop lighting the fire, or God forbid, stop taxing or insuring the car because no petrol, you should be grand on 11.52 a day. Thank you for doing those maths. It really brings it home. Do all of those things and you'll be grand. Oh, and by the way, make sure you never get sick. My bill for the last two months was €420. It's up Uh, €150. And nothing has changed, as in I'm not using any more. People need to take to the streets like the truck drivers are doing. The governments are the only people laughing. Have their salaries and make them pay for a pension. They're useless. They all need to go as soon as possible. Yeah, none of them took a pay cut during uh, covid 
the, fin- the absolutely fantastic news is that the price of gas has increased by 30% in the last two weeks alone since the EU sanctioned Russian gas exports. Just wait till November when we'll really need the heating. You'll have 500 and 600 and 700 euro gas bills as the new norm. You call that fantastic news? The ESB bill is only every two months. So you'd be looking at putting 40 euro a week away out of your 253 pension. Uh, get an ESB pay card. Don't wait to be looking for the whole lot together every two months because you won't have it. It's 40 euro a week. It is a lot. I'd look at what you're using if you're on a pension. Don't leave stuff on standby. Wash and dry by night. We're a family of two adults and two children. We spend 25 euro a week. We pay 20 euro every week off the bill. And by the time it comes around, it's very little. Or indeed, sometimes they owe us money. Uh, who can forget Veratker's infamous comment during a particularly brutal cold winter? I will not sign a blank check so the elderly can heat their homes. What a leader he was. What a patriot. What about we're all in this together? Uh, thank you for those texts. And there's a lot more. Um, COVID didn't kill off enough. So now there's trying stress and pneumonia as well. I know how people feel. I'm sitting here with, with just the television, but no lights. Another person says, I'm afraid of turning on the heating. I go to bed with blankets and a hot water battle bottle. It's all so sad. For the last four months, we got a bill for 788 euro. For the first two months now, we got a bill for two months of 780 euro. So in four months, that's 1600 euro. It's crazy. I get that it's winter time, but it's still way too much. It is. It really and truly is. I blame the dubs for voting for Eamon Ryan and the Green TDs. There are no Green Party TDs in Cork. Carbon taxes are being increased in May. And we have George Lee on RTE News harping on about climate change every bloody week. Morning, Neil. I'm on prepay for five years and I know they get a bad rap. But honestly, I'm paying €25 a week. I work so I wouldn't be at home all the time. But I'm a killer for leaving things plugged in every day. That's scandalous that a poor person on a pension can't afford the power or heat. Every pensioner should be entitled to live a comfortable life. They worked all their lives. Uh, the government are a joke, sweetening us with 200 euro while slapping at least 500 on the bill. It's absolutely outrageous. Now you can put an extra 200,000 people into the melting pot. You can be sure that the Russians aren't suffering while the 200,000 is uh, potentially the amount of refugees that we're taking. The country is full of sheep led by donkeys. It always has had a culture of pain, suffering and hardship. That's just Ireland. Pain, suffering and hardship. This will never change unless people make change. One final one. They play this game with each other and we're the ones that are left with the consequences. Um, Massive bills, low pension, no money for heating, no money for petrol or diesel. They've got big pockets and they don't feel it the way we people do, as in politicians. It's a messed up world that we live in right now and by the looks of it, it's only beginning. Soon people will struggle but won't be able to take it anymore. Um, seriously, what the hell is happening here, lads? And thank you for those. It's a mixture of texts and Facebook comments, and I appreciate every single one of them. I'll come back to those. I promise you I will. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Uh, John, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Um, and again, a lot of things that I'm seeing that people are talking about and putting into their time capsule has to do with uh, the rights of people with disabilities, primarily children, and how about how the fact that they are completely forgotten. What have you got to share with me? 
Yeah, Neil, uh, I, my son, he's 12, and we're, uh, we're unable to get him a school secondary place this coming September. Right. Um, Shane uh, was born with Down syndrome, but we were very lucky with him. Like, he was assessed as mild, um, and as having a mild general learning disability, which you, like, and no other side effects. So we were very lucky. So he went, uh, when he, like, when he got to five, uh, we were advised by the relevant authorities, Cope, really, to send him to mainstream yeah, school. Yeah, because I was just uh, thinking that. Off yeah. he goes to a mainstream school with all the rest yeah, of his pals. perfect, yeah, brilliant. I uh, was delighted with that and with the help of an SNA. And um, so he went through all the, the years and you now he's in sixth class. Uh, and again, he gets assessed by child uh, psychologists um, on behalf of the Department of Education and he's assessed as mild. So... Um, there's only two schools in Cork for children with um, mild intellectual disabilities, Skull Bernadette in Montanati and St. Mary's Rochestown, uh, Special School in Rochestown. So we applied to Skull Bernadette. There's, there's 24 places available in Skull Bernadette. It's coming September. And I understand there's eight in Rochestown. Um, so anyway, we applied... For all or for mild? No, for mild, just for mild. Okay. Um, okay. These two schools only taking kids with a mild learning disability. So in the entire city environs and all of the major suburbs, uh, we're looking at 32 places. Correct, correct, yeah. So we applied to Skull Bernadette initially um, and uh, he, you know, satisfied the criteria and everything, but he was unsuccessful um, and put on a waiting list. There was 24 accepted um, there was 30 in, in total, I understand, um, eligible, and he was put on a waiting list of six. Now, the waiting list, Neil, was decided by a lottery, right? Your, your child's name is obviously picked out of a hat uh, through a lottery basis. Um, Can I ask you, um, is that lottery transparent? No, my understanding, like, it's supposed to be tra- the advice from the governing authorities is that it's meant to be transparent but in, in Skull Bernadette and I, I don't want to be critical Nor am I I'm only asking you, I think yeah. it's a reasonable question yeah. how does They're anybody advising, know how the lottery how is conducted? How does anybody know? Their advising psychologist picks the names in order out of a hat like if it was done by a guard sergeant or a solicitor And is that the case all over the country that all I over the country were a lot of schools I understand a lot of schools um, are advised to do it independently, transparently, even invite members of the public who might have a, a concern about this or, you know, trying to get their child into a school to do it transparently, you know, bring them into a room, put the names in a hat, you know. But look... So an independent you know, observer, um, would, it, would it be a step too far for all of the families of children um, would be in the same room when the lottery is conducted? No, is that... Is that well, am I, am I sounding bizarre? There was only thirty eligible children uh, that could go to Skull Bernadette this year, right? Twenty-four of them got places in February. Now, nineteen of those came in from Skullena, the feeder school from Cope, right? And um, eighteen of them, I think, one of them, one of the kids admitted had a sibling in the school, right? That's 19. So there was five places left for kids outside of that. And that becomes the lottery then? That becomes the lottery. Now, um, my child, because he went to mainstream, it was disadvantaged because they accept... The way way it goes is kids from Skullena 
siblings, kids from other special schools or classes, and last on the list is mainstream. So my son was put last on the list before he even got on the lottery, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. You know, which to me is crazy in that a child goes to mainstream school, you know, flourishes in mainstream school, right? Great school out in Cardinal flourishes there, and nowhere left because he went to mainstream and, you know, was mild enough to go to mainstream. We're left without a, a suitable school place for What him. are you going to do, John, come September? I don't know what we're going to do, Neil. Um, I've been on to the politicians, I've been on to my senior. Like uh, Padraig Sullivan, Fianna Fáil spokesperson for special education, is trying to help us, but you know you get nowhere, Neil. I mean, if you travel for if you travel further for secondary school, would that be an option? There is no other secondary school. The only two suitable schools in Cork City uh, and County, I assume, are Skull Bernadette and St Mary's Road. Okay. So like why I, don't we have I, all? Why don't we have all secondary schools providing places with SNAs for a portion of our our well, our, our children who has who has a right or entitled to an education? They have a right to an education. This is the same as any other child. I I asked that question to my to Orsino. Uh, what if Shane was to attend a mainstream school? And she blew that out of the water because she said no, it wouldn't be the right environment for him. The the gap would be too much between. Uh, kids in mainstream and Shane, like they wouldn't have the facilities or the capacity to adapt the learning curriculum to Shane's needs. So she maintains that the, the only school really is called Bernadette, really, uh, are uh, St. Mary's Road or something. Okay, but I'm asking why then would they not have a designated class that moves through first year, second year, third year, fifth year, and sixth year in all secondary schools? Attached to the school, an actual classroom section and all of them for children like your son. I don't know, Neil. You'd, you'd have to ask wouldn't, politicians. But, wouldn't that, it mean, make sense it, that every secondary school would, would make, have would. a designated class? So every year, 25 to 30 would move from first to second, from second to third, and 25 to 30 would come into first year and second year. Yeah. And there are in some schools, uh, Neil, there would be ASD units, but they're specifically for kids with autism. And the learning curriculum is completely different. To yeah, but, I, but I, I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering, there are, secondary schools already exist. They're on huge big plots yeah. of land. Um, massive money is going to be spent now um, with uh, homeschooling for your son. Right? Yeah, so money, like money is going to have to be spent by the state correct. to do this anyway. Yeah. So I'm yeah. just thinking if they it looked might, at it, if they thought differently about the millions and millions and millions that were spent in that regard. Yeah. They could be yeah. building classrooms designated to children who need an extra bit of help. Yeah. Neil, my son is 12, right? They know when they become four or five years of age what the need is down the road. I mean, they, they can project how many kids have special needs, mild, moderate, severe. Like, they can project, right, in five and seven years' time there will be so many places needed for kids with mild, moderate. Like, I just can't understand how they haven't catered for it in the future, how they haven't planned for it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's I'm, back to, I'm back to the nearly 10 acres of land that they sold to the IDA on the north side of Cork for one <sighs> and a quarter million. peanuts. I mean, they could have yeah. built uh, a school for that. Um, you know, they could have fundraised. I'm, sure, school, that, I'm yeah. sure that people would have come together and fundraised. Yeah. One extra class in school, Bernadette, to cater for the 30 children that apply there, that were eligible to apply there this year, with, with like one extra class. One extra teacher, I assume, 
would cater for all the needs of, of kids with mild. And you um, must take this quite personally yourself as parents. Oh, you know. it's, it's heartbreaking. My wife is in an in, in awful state from it. Like, it's it's heartbreaking, really. Like, like my child is asking now because all his, the other kids in his class, they're going to other different secondary schools. Oh, and where, John, are going, John, where are you going? Where are you going, Shane? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I have no answer. He has no answer. It's so it's so destroying. Like really, you feel you know? as if you um, you almost feel as a father that you're yeah. letting your son down, yeah. don't you? Really? Yeah, yeah. And he needs Neil. He's he's a very sociable child. Like he needs the outlet of school. He would thrive in that setting. Yeah. Thrive, Neil. This guy like is like is is brilliant. Like he plays soccer. He he runs. He plays basketball. He plays tennis. Like very active. Like. You know, the centre of attention in the class and gets on, made his confirmation last week. Brilliant. You know, very sociable child. Um, ah, that's he, heartbreaking. I yeah, really and truly know. Yeah, of a school, of a classroom. Like, I mean, the homeschooling, like he, like, he struggles now with the two weeks off there for the, the Easter holidays. He struggles with that. Never mind homeschooling him for the next five years. I mean, see, in school, Bernadette, like, they'll teach you how to cook, get on the bus, spend your money, um, look after yourself, independent living. That's what he needs for when he turns 18. He does. To be able to contribute to his society. I mean, this guy can get a job. Like, he's brilliant on his iPad. He's brilliant with IT stuff. You know, he's brilliant. He's good with maths. And this guy can contribute to society down the road. But he needs a school. And he does. He needs the chance. Yeah. And every child needs yeah. that chance. And, he, yeah. and also, but listen, he needs to be able to hang out with his buddies day in, day out as he well. He does, yeah. Yeah, in the yard, play ball and whatever, and that's what he wants to do, you know. Like, like, Padraig O'Sullivan is, is trying hard, no right, and but all you get is not nothing substantive yet. The scene, or apparently, is trying. Like, there's no communication between any of the bodies, no communication whatsoever. Like, Orsino says, oh, we're, we're very aware of Shane's placement and, you know, the work is ongoing. The NCSE are very much aware of his needs. But do you think that there are other Shanes out there besides your son? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, like, he's six on the waiting list, so there must be another at least five children um, that are in the same position. Now, I don't know who they are or whatever, you know, but there's at least five. Like, we couldn't even get on the waiting list for, say, Mary's and Rochester, so there must be another number of children there that need a school place that are mild, you know. What a, what, um, an opp- what an opportunity that we've missed for a young man who could thrive in society and have a... Yeah. a and, and, yeah, and I'm hoping that that will be the case for him anyway. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, you know, well, you, you need the tools well, like, and the skills like to keep, bring you, do, you up. You do, you do. Now, look, I've been told, like, part of us have been told that, look, it will be started, but you must remember, Neil, we're in two, schools are on two weeks holidays now. Like they go back after that. They're in school for another five weeks. The secondary schools are only in school for another five weeks. So after that, the schools close. The secondary school closes. Now the principal might be available, but sure, how are they going to organise an extra class or anything like that if, if work needs to be done? over the summer it's just it's not going to happen well I'd you know? say uh, yeah I mean I don't want to be alarming you because you've kind of said it yourself already things do kind of slow down over the summer mm. you know correct yeah and the politicians look, are off the teachers are off the Department of Education is mm. um, probably not doing half as much as they would be during yeah. curriculum part of the year you know yeah. no, look I've emailed Michal Martin twice haven't got a reply I've emailed Josepha Madigan and after a month of about five or six emails, I got a reply. 
oh, yeah, that situation occurs, uh, contact Jorsino. That's what I got now from Josepha Madigan, the Minister for Special Education. Um, you know, so that's where we're at. Just okay. hitting a brick wall day in, day out. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't know where we go from here. Um, a lot of worry, you know, so and anxiety day in, day out. A lot of worry, and probably, like, my child has a right to an education, right? A suitable uh, educational environment. Like that's, you know, that's written into the United Nations Charter of Rights for Children. But know? they, but they would assume that homeschooling fulfills that um, requirement of every child's need to a suitable education. Well, well, it doesn't actually. Um, yeah. You know, there are loads of loads of ways in, in the sense that it doesn't. Whether it's whether it's uh, hanging out with his peers, yeah. uh, playing sport in school, being in a classroom environment, learning those skills that you spoke about to prepare him for further life. Um, yeah, but we're not even we're not even considering homeschooling at, at this point. Like we're still, you know, hopeful that some you know a solution will be found. You know, by yeah. enlarging school Bernadette classes or putting on an extra class. But my difficulty is you can't get anybody to assist you to help you. To, you know, to, to to move things along. To you know, somebody to contact the principal or through the Department of Education and, and look what. We have to plan an extra class. We'll give you an extra teacher. Nobody seems to be communicating with anybody else through the Department of Education. Through I also wonder, I also wonder whether lengthening the school year. I came across a stat there recently when you compare the amount of school days, say, in Ireland and the amount of school days in the UK. Um, mm. I'm open to correction on these figures, but the figures that Kevin's got me here is that in second level, teachers work a maximum of 167 school days. They work 167 days a year. And in primary, they work 183 days a year. Uh, I'm not quite sure how many weeks off that equates to when you add up all of the holidays, the summer holidays, the Easter break, the midterm, Christmas, stuff like that. But it's substantial, you know? It is. Like, no, as you just I said, you just remind No, I know you don't. But you, listen, you just reminded me because they're off for two weeks now and then they're back for five weeks and then off for the summer. Well, they're off for two weeks now. They're off for the May weekend as well. Um then they're back for five weeks, I understand, and, you know, the, and like, first week of June, the secondary schools are finished then, aren't they? Yeah, no, I mean, it may be an unrelated topic, but certainly yeah. needs something, you know, people have opinions on the fact that, you know, it's, okay, teachers yeah. say they have a hard job and it's stressful yeah. and they have an offer, yeah. but, but it, it sounds like a, a pretty cool job with the time yeah. off involved in it, you know? Okay, oh, yeah. it's for another day. Listen, will, yeah. you, will, look, you, will you stay look, in touch? Were, yeah. I will, I will, of course, Neil, and any, if I have any update from anybody, I'll certainly let you know, you know? Um, but again, at the moment, we're just, you know, knocking our heads against walls, really. I mean, like I was down in Vienna Woods last week with Anne Rabbit at the forum there, and it's so destroying, like, the, the, the issues... Uh, parents have with kids, you know. I, we're lucky. We're so lucky. Like he has no extra needs. Um, we we brought him to Down syndrome Cork ourselves and paid for speech and language therapy because like you don't get any from the, the HSE. And really. you sure that he wouldn't slip into a, a a classroom of you know twenty two, twenty five, twenty six others? No. I asked the question to see, you know, because uh, like uh, I know of a number of school principals around Cork, and I kind of put it to friends of mine who are school principals, and I said, look, what do you think? Would Shane be suitable? And they kind of said, yeah, we could do this or we could do that and whatever. And I put it to the casino and she said, no, it mm. wouldn't be the right environment for him. It'd be only two places for him to get a proper education. To be fair to the casino, like she was honest with me and said, would be Skullburn or that or St. Mary's in Rochester. Okay. They're the two proper places for him. All right, my man. But All right. No school places. 
Listen, stay in touch, all right? Fingers I will crossed you. Thanks all right. for the time. Take care Thanks for now. So much. Cheers, John. Bye-bye. Take Bye-bye. care. Text 0868 104106. Uh, if you have a story to share, uh, email neil at redfm.ie. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Just trying to make Red you uh, FM. Just trying to make you aware, not necessarily to be the, the, pro, uh, the professor of doom and gloom, but um, you still need to be aware, uh, particularly with regards to other aspects of living with children. And here's an example of that. Can you please ask your listeners if they know of any GP in Cork City, ideally in the Groner Braher area, taking on new patients? This is where we're at now. This is it. I'm at my wit's end trying to get my baby registered for her under six GP card. My own GP can't take her as they don't have a GP registered for medical cards. Imagine that. Why? They will see her, but I'll have to pay. I've ranked 10 plus GP practices on the north side and the city centre to no avail. I am willing to travel if needs be. I just want my baby to be able to get her GP card, which she's entitled to, and have a reliable doctor for her. There is a parent, don't know whether it's male or female, mother or father, looking for a GP practice that would actually take on uh, a baby, um, leading us to a belief from a text like that that there are a shortage of GPs and a shortage of surgeries and people are struggling even to get on the list or to become a client or a customer of a doctor's surgery. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Alrighty, uh, what's these these ads I'm hearing for smart glasses? Uh, there's an ad. I'm just wondering about. It. Is it is it warning people who maybe uh, don't have smart glasses, but they're around people that do have smart glasses? The ad is saying you'll see a small little red light. Is it is it people are afraid that people with smart glasses are recording them unbeknownst to themselves? Is anybody actually wearing smart glasses? Has anybody bought a pair of smart glasses what what can you actually do with smart glasses apart from take photographs with them? i mean i was in harvey norman's there recently and i saw sunglasses in there pricey enough now i have to say you wouldn't get much change out of 200 bucks for them all day long they might be ray-bans i'm not quite sure what make there but they're very funky sunglasses but they have small little speaker pods built into them you can actually try them on inside there the sound isn't bad it's not fantastic but it's reasonably good I imagine there's a microphone on them as well. So you probably can take and answer calls and it's probably connected to Spotify and Bluetooth and stuff like that. So they're worth it all day long, I suppose. Um, But the smart glasses, is there a worry that people might think that others who buy them might use them for, I don't know, you know, um, ulterior motives or what have you? Uh, The Google Glass, the ability to thank you, the ability to take photos and videos and then share exactly what the user is seeing through Google Hangouts. Oh, so you could run live videos through the glasses. I mean, that's a worry, isn't it, as well? I mean, it is. The option to use the Google search engine through the glasses using Wi-Fi or a smartphone data phone. So, so do you actually see something in the lens itself, I wonder? Um, well, I don't mind getting my hands on those. Maybe it's just the audio you can get, you know, through your Google search engine, yeah. The ability to have translations streamed straight to the wearer through the screen. Okay, so you're hearing audio translations of stuff. Oh, you mean that somebody is talking to you in Spanish? And the glasses are translating what they're saying to you into English. No, you know, come on. Come on there. Come on, tell me. You're the, you're the whiz kid on this. What is it? 
You're saying that no, so you, you, you think you need to open your mic line. So when you've that done, then come back to me. The ability to sync the glasses to calendars stored on phones and computers in order to receive reminders. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Go on. What do you know about them? Google Glass. Is what? that is that uh, is that no, what we're I talking about? Him, no. You can't hear me. You need to put the headphones on. What do you know about them? Well, I tell you, if I can finally get this to work. All right, but it's the first time from everything. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome on air. Thank you very much, Neil. Uh, okay. You wouldn't know that I worked in radio. It took me about 20 minutes there to actually get my mic up. Um, so, uh, what it looks like to me, I, anybody who has a Google phone might be aware that like Google Translate uh, has a feature where you can put it into a mode and you hover your camera over a sign and it will actually directly translate the yeah, sign. Yeah, I can do that. Even, even a Luddite like me can do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I want to see that in action. That's what I'd like so, to see. Oh, the glasses will the, do that. The glasses will do that. So you literally look at something. So let's say, I don't know, you, we put an article in front of you and it's in Spanish and you pick it up and you look at it with the glasses. The glasses will actually translate it through the HUD and you can see exactly what on the, the, on on the, the glasses. On the lens in on front the of your eyes. On the lens in front of your eyes. So you don't ever need to, tran- like it'll do all the work for you and you just see the translation. If somebody speaks Spanish, will it translate it? Um, I'm wondering, I, it does say to have translations streamed straight to the wearer. So I presume because it has a microphone phone in it that's another feature of um, of Google Translate how much do these Google what are they called Google th- Glasses Google Glasses I think they're about 1300 euros ah that's what for I was God's sake on my <laughs> you're joking I mean, you could just ask somebody to get a dictionary it is a bit cheaper isn't it because you still need a phone yes you see, and it's probably going to have to be like an Android. It would have to be one of the newer Android phones that would have like. Jesus, still love one of those though. I, they'd be good crack, wouldn't they? <laughs> I feel, I feel like they'd be great for listening to music, or you know, you just but nobody would know what you're actually listening to. You just have to. Except you'd on be them. one of these nerd. You'd be one of these. I was going to say tossers. <laughs> who wear sunglasses <laughs> indoors. You know what I mean? You know those ones like it's like what the hell are you doing with yeah, the sunglasses yeah. on indoors? It's like well, they're, well, they're actually, go- it's actually Google Glass. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's there's uh, one of the other things interestingly um, and I don't know uh, what you're like with navigation uh, Neil but uh, the maps yeah very it'll good. do maps yeah, so it'll good. actually do step by step directions with the map displayed so yeah what do you mean like how does the map work so the map will obviously like as you're walking along you know the way if you have Google map and it's like in the, the top hand corner of the screen yeah. on your phone I imagine that when you're wearing the glasses the map will appear on the top right hand corner so that you're, you can see what's in front of you but also if you just flick you're your like eyes your up man. to the, you're like your man in what's his name? Your man in Star Trek Next Generation. I didn't invent. I mean, I appreciate the credit. No, no, do you, <laughs> man, no do you know your man on, in Star Trek The Next Generation? I know the I know the reference. I know the the kind of visor yeah, type this, stuff. Yeah, he had, yeah, he had in front of his. Yeah. They were like sunglasses, but they were like visory sunglasses. I, don't think, he, I think his eyes were wrecked or something. I don't know. Yeah. He had this yoke on him. <laughs> well, so like any even um, the newer uh, airplanes now, the newer Ryanair airplanes, they have a HUD, so pilots can actually see everything in front of them just by pulling down this screen in front of them that's on the newer, newest Ryanair airplanes so 1300 for the Google Glass and the ad is warning people here's how you know if somebody's filming is that what I'm reading into basically, that basically yeah, yeah yeah or if somebody's video calling and you're on in the background so if you see basically if you see um, if you see the, the, the light, light just hide everything basically <laughs> try and escape as quickly as you can <laughs> anybody wearing Google Glass text 0868104106 back after the break get it off your chest call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 104 106. 
Red FM. Ah, yeah, I see somebody here bigging up my weather forecasts. Your weather forecast is always spot on. My hubby uses RTE, which is always wrong. Who do you use for your weather forecast? Well, if I told you all of those little secrets, I'd have to shoot you. But thank you very much. Um, I think my weather forecasts are a bit like Marmite. People that love them or hate them. You talk about the government saving money. If you remember at the start of the pandemic, the government rented out 250 cars for the guards. I wonder when and if they'll ever be sent back. I doubt it. And I'd have no problem if they never sent them back. I'd have no problem if the guardy got extra cars, got them around more, made them more efficient than they already are. What's the problem? Leave them, keep them. Uh, There's so much thuggery around in the city, it's unbelievable. I had a friend who had his car stolen and burned out. There's cars and motorbikes being burnt out all over the city. But benches makes the front page news. Well, I mentioned it yesterday because it's an equal act of arson and thuggery. You know, I mean, if there was somebody sent me a photograph of their car stolen and then they found it burnt out, I'd be raging about that as well. But it did make uh, the papers. I don't know whether it made the front page, it made the inside pages of the Echo. Because people are constantly burning and wrecking things in public parks. That's why. Uh, honest to God, what's wrong with Eamon Ryan? At home in Kerry, all my family cut turf and will continue to do so. How will they police it? Will, will Eamon Ryan be cycling around the country looking at chimneys and turf sheds or smelling the air? He'd run out of places. He'll probably ban new homes having chimneys too, says Eilish. Oh, you didn't know. New homes don't have fireplaces. They're gone. I'm open to correction on that, but I believe all the new houses that we built now are more smart homes and don't have fireplaces. Um, and then on Cowboy Builders, we had work done by a registered external insulation installer. He quoted us for the full house and he said he'd organise the grant for us as well. Total for completed works would be €6,000. After a couple of weeks, we asked why he wasn't going to the back of the house at the same time. And he responded by saying, ah, that would be extra. We called a halt to the works and started getting threatened if we didn't pay. He even said he'd bring his kids in and do a dirty protest where I worked. We went to the guards who told us it was a civil matter. We sent a solicitor's letter to him. No response. Eventually, I just started bombarding him with phone calls and recorded what he was saying. It cost us €1,000 for someone else to rectify the home, but not after a lot of hardship. We still don't have the insulation. We contacted the registered bodies he was registered with and we got him struck off. The issue is he caused damage to our home, but it's classed as a civil matter. Yet if I randomly started hitting a house with a hammer, it's classed as criminal damage. The law needs to be changed to protect the homeowner and the builders. Another one, we dealt yesterday with the incidents of cowboy builders. Um, We had work done. Uh, sorry, I'll, I'll do this one first. My name is Siobhan. Last year, we decided to get a log cabin built. So we went about looking for places and we stumbled across one company up the country. Now, I'm not naming this company because in the country of Ireland that we live in, litigation and defamation and libel um, and our laws in that regard are, are just so difficult to navigate through that I'd need an awful lot more proof before I could name the company. But it's up the country. We paid €10,000 deposit. On Facebook, we learned that the company had actually gone into receivership. When I finally got through to the company, I was told there were 150 plus people in the same predicament as us. That they had gone into receivership and then to liquidation. I then set up a Facebook page called Cabin Justice for Us. So far, in three months of the page, 11 people have come forward. 
Would you believe the guy is still taking deposits after the company ceased? So far, a whopping €57,000 was robbed from our group. Innocent people, families with children. Some of the 11 that have come forward are paying back loans for something they never got. Can you please help us to get our story out to the public so we can get more people affected? We need justice. We deserve this guy to give us answers. Uh, I need more people who are affected so we can all get together and bring this guy to justice. He's still driving around in his fancy car, eating fancy dinners, says Siobhan. Tell you what I will do, Siobhan, um, if you don't mind. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to you uh, and get in touch with you a little later on to get more information with regards to your Facebook page and just to see exactly what you're doing and then try and get in touch with the individual you're talking about, okay? So if that's all right with you, uh, happy to chat with you on, on the subject a little later on today, see if we can make a little more sense of it. Now, I didn't get to this yesterday. My apologies for it. It was just one of those uh, missed opportunities. But you may recall some weeks back, I was uh, asking people to get involved in Joe's Hair Salon Easter Egg Appeal. It's a lot more than an Easter Egg Appeal. It was a big Easter party. Uh, I believe it happened yesterday and it was a resounding success. Joe, good morning. Good morning, my friend Neil. How are you? And my apologies for yesterday. It just—it was one of those things. It just—it just got away from me. But how'd it go? Absolutely. And you know, Neil, I would have loved if you were there, just in the corner, just watching. And it was amazing. It I, was I, the best I, event. I would have—I would have been there, Joe. But I only heard that yesterday was the day from my wife last night. So my apologies for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, need no problem. I just if if you saw the if you were there now and just cut cut. The what would I've seen? Yeah. Tell me, in my eyes. You'd have seen about forty five, if not fifty, children with their mothers, um, coming into the marquee in Flannery's, having food, having fun, having games, having a sing song, having Easter eggs, having chocolates, running around, listening to music, having a bit of a dance. And these mothers and children would have come from Edel House and Coonley. They would have been victims of domestic violence and coercive control. Exactly, yeah. And Neil, the amazing thing about it, they come a little bit nervous, a little bit, she's not knowing what to expect, you know, and they're going up to Darren saying, oh, thank you very much. And I know as Darren was saying, there's no thank you, we're all friends here. This is not a charity. This is a day out, a fun day. I Neil, it was all of that. It was a full day and more. There was everything laid on. Flannery's were amazing laid on. All the food, cheese and coffee, soft drinks. And then we had loads of cakes and biscuits and Easter eggs. Did you go with the marquee or did you go inside or what? Oh, in the marquee. All in the marquee. So it was great because it was a bit wet. Anyway, so it was all in the marquee. But marquee was packed. There was about, I'd say, 65 Easily, and then a load of volunteers, all the Flannery's gang, and Darren and myself, and we all flying around. Fabulous. So, were there are lots of donations from the public in the end, Joe? Neil, unbelievable. Not just Easter eggs, we got um, colouring books, cranes, stuff for making jewellery, bracelets, all these things, you no know, activities for kids. And I must just say, Neil, those two people, um, the Balancholic Cinema, after um, offering those 50. Cinema tickets quarterly, that's 200 tickets a year oh my God. from Balancholic. So the, the, the kids in Edel House and Coon Lee can just head off to Balancholic exactly. to a movie. And as I was saying to you the last time, Lead, um, about coffees as well, the, don- the donut coffee place in um, Douglas Park, yeah. they came into me with two books of vouchers for amazing. So after my last appeal with you, the stuff that came in, it was brilliant. Absolutely, but the atmosphere, they actually cracked the atmosphere. Did they crack up? 
Did they crack open any of the Easter eggs, I wonder? Oh, Jesus, did they what? Mother <laughs> of God, Easter eggs. Because I think I it would be torture if you... I would be torture if the kids were told, here's your Easter eggs now, but you can't open them till Sunday. I know, and there was <laughs> loads of things. And you know the little Easter eggs with little duck, nits of ducks on them and all that sort of crap. <laughs> and loads of popcorn and... Oh, Neil, I couldn't describe, but you know what it was for me? It was very emotional. It was... You know, we see two, three-year-old kids putting out their arms, running off with me, and we're having a hug and dancing in front of the music. You know, they're so... Oh, I don't know, it's very hard to explain, but mm. to see those kids then going off, all delighted, you know what I mean? So did they go away but entirely different to how they came in, Joe? They went, mothers and kids went away entirely different, because we had presents for the mothers, well, we did a raffle, and all the mothers got a gift as well, but made it fun, and the kids were picking out the tickets, and someone wanted to pick out another ticket because his mother didn't get something, you know? I know, yeah, they so really they got involved in the fun. Time. Yeah. But Neil, it I'd, was, love, to have sent, I'd love to have sent a magician. That would have been great. Yeah, and you know something, I normally had one, but he was actually away. But I'll do Let's for definitely Christmas. do a magician next year. Yeah, I normally have Gerald Kearney. He's, he's brilliant, yeah, very, he's brilliant. Very, very good, but he was away. But Neil, you know, they came in a little bit anxious, right, and the kids and all that, but just for seeing them going out, they were amazing, and the boys, they were off on their bus, there was a bus laid on from there, and that was like as if they were out to seaside for the day. And they were so grateful. And, you know, we're saying, Jesus, don't be saying thank you at all. There's no need. This is a fun day for everybody. Praise of God, it could be any of us, you know? It's amazing. But I what mean, are they going back to me? I came that's home last thing. night down yeah. and I was thinking, what's it, you know, we were going back to a beautiful home and relaxing. What are they going back to? And that was my lump in my stomach feeling for them, you know what I mean? I know, but it's just in the moment that you give them such pleasure and happiness and joy and, you know, a change of routine and change of scenery, even for a day. Those children will always remember that. Yeah, and the mothers. And, you know, Neil, now, as much as I love kids, three hours was enough. By the time I got home, I was absolutely shattered. It was great to be able to play with them and give them back. Give them back. Those poor mothers, they got like, oh, my God. But it was great. And... And There's enough you to be getting your head wrecked now. inside in the salon from the women, I suppose. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And of course, and we'd all say, what would you do there? We haven't getting consultations for the hair and all. And uh, and no, the there was a lovely Ukrainian back. woman that I sent in to you. How did that go? Yeah, she's coming into us now this week. She came in for patch tests first. What's a, lovely, a patch lovely, test? Lovely, I didn't understand lovely. that. What is that? You see, she wouldn't, she wouldn't have been into us before for colour. So we'd have to be sure that she'd have no allergy to the colour we do. So we do a little twenty-four-hour test on. Oh, skin it's a bit it, like if uh, it's a bit like if I'm painting a, the front room. I do a little bit of patch test in the corner of the wall. Is that? Ah, yeah, but you'd only look at that and say that's colours lovely. <laughs> you see, your, your room is hardly going to come out with a rash. Neat, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, but it was a shocking colour. If it was a shocking colour, I might come out in a rash, though. Well, I tell you, I've often come out in a rash in the sand. There's some shocking colours that there. <laughs> Please, I'll tell you that for nothing. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still, still charged. <laughs> but me, me not blowing smoke up any of you there now, but Red FM and yourself are great supporters as well. Because the stuff that come in from people... I love supporting you, Joe. You're just... So you're a one in a million guy I'm always happy to be here for you because you're just a great man. now you must just come out and just even sit in the corner and stand for the crack you, you get, get caught I, up in the I know I wish I was there I could have been there but I forgot the date my fault my bad but the only thing Neil then you would have taken the limelight away from me so that no would I wouldn't I'd have fucking got the biggest easter egg you had gone into a corner and eaten it that's what I would have done <laughs> well I should know for them already now Neil in fairness <laughs> 
my God. Look after yourself, Pat. It's great you. catching up with you. Mind Neil, thank you very much. <laughs> Take, Take care, care. Bye-bye. Take care, Joe's. Here's Salon. Uh, he's just one in a million guy. And I feel as if I know Darren all my life, his partner. I've never, I think I, we passed each other once on the, I think it was out on the Tremor Valley Walk, but I feel as if I've known him all my life. But magicians are amazing, particularly for kids, they love them. And I know, I know a fair amount of magicians myself. He mentioned Jared Carney there. I think Jared Carney uh, was the one that uh, Joe mentioned. I once saw Jared Carney. Uh, at, you remember back in the, the days when we went to functions and events and do's and stuff like that? Uh, a lot of the time it was people with more money than sense buying things in auctions and stuff for stupid amount of money and whatever back in the Celtic Tiger days. But I saw him at an event once where he, he had a bottle of whiskey, right? A full bottle of Jameson whiskey. And the, the, the short story to this is he took a table, right, with the bottle of whiskey and he put the bottle of whiskey under the table. He held it under the table. Right, directly underneath the table and he pushed his hand up and with his other hand the bottle of whiskey went right through the table and into his other hand I've never seen anything like it I know I know it's a trick like clearly but it was the speed in which he did it unless he had two bottles of whiskey I have no idea never saw anything like it it's stuck with me Liam Sheehan did a thing to me once he's another incredible mentalist in Cork Liam Sheehan the mentalist magician he's brilliant like, like we are all day telling him things he can do he stood here at reception with me one day right and he looked into my eyes. First of all, he got a pen and a piece of paper. And this is all he did. He looked into my eyes and he said, I'm going to work out your bank ATM pin number, your four number pin, right? Out here in reception, there were witnesses to it. I wasn't on my own. He took out this little piece of paper, small little diary thing with a pen. And he wrote down, bing, 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 bing. He turned it around. And what was it? My pin number. Never opened my mouth. Never said a single word. He had no access to anything on my body. He didn't look at anything. He didn't take my wallet. Nothing. He just looked into my eyes for about 30 seconds. And while he was doing so, still looking into my eyes, he wrote down one number, the second number, the third number, the fourth. I mean, it just blew me away. It really did. They're the kind of things that people can do. And a great talent to be able to do that. I mean, like, who'd need... You're right, yeah. Who'd need Russian hackers when you got to, like, Salim Sheehan knocking around? <laughs> yeah, but you see, that's no good unless he hasn't got... Unless he's got the actual ATM card or the credit card. The pin's useless. Oh, no, that's not, actually. You know, ways of getting that online as well, I suppose. Anyway, enough of my rambling. To the phone lines we go. My apologies to Marie. Marie, good morning. Hi Neil, how are you? Um, I'm good. Uh, I was walking down the mall the other night. Passport office would obviously be closed, but I did look in the window and I saw all of the rows of empty seats that back in the day, everybody could go in, sit down in the seats and wait for their number and get dealt with. Of course, that isn't the case at the moment. Sure, it's not? No, okay. definitely not. Okay, no. so tell me about Tina. Tina. Tina is uh, a very good friend of mine. That's ten of us. So I'm big of the swans. One of my best friends. Yeah, the swans. <laughs> There's ten of us. Why do you call yourselves the swans? Yeah, because a long story. We went on holiday. Do you want to hear it or would I? <laughs> well, give me give me the edited version of why the we ten did, of you call us. We were on holidays in Puerto Rico. We set out for the day. We were all still in our shorts and bikinis and blah blah blah. Going home at three o'clock in the morning, we were like mingers, and then <laughs> the what, are, what are mingers? <laughs> Mingers, minging, we were minging, we were sweaty, we were <laughs> we weren't even washed or showered or anything. We just went out the way we were from the beach. All right, okay. 
And then we went out the next night, but we were all getting ready. And um, I think, I don't know, was it me or one of the girls? Oh, God, we're like swans. Now, tonight, we were mingers last night. (laughs) And it stuck from minger to swan. Okay. Thank you for satisfying my curiosity. But they're supposed to be, I hope they're going to Turkey, is it? Turkey, yeah. No, my friends aren't going. It's myself, my husband and my child. Yeah. Yeah, it was Tina got yeah. in touch with me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was on the phone to them. In fairness, they've been fantastic since, since Saturday. They've been on the phone. What happened? You to went to. So it was you, your husband, your nine year old. You all ended up in Dublin to catch a flight to Turkey and it came off the track. That's right. That's right. Got to the gate, got the air coach up. We were supposed to fly out of court at six Saturday morning. Got to the gate and next the girl says, oh, you're out of date. And I was like, sorry? She said, your passport is out of date. And I just went, oh, my God. No, it's in it's date. It's not out of date. You see, that's why I wanted to talk to you. It's not out of date. Yeah, it's not out of date. But seeing it has to be in six months, it has to be six months in validation for Turkey. Only Turkey, is it? Out there. Well, I think it's all the ones outside the EU. But I know definitely Turkey. I don't know about anywhere else. I think America is three months. Like I'm open to correction on that. But six months seems very. They tell you that outside the EU, you have to get a passport renewed seven months before it's out of date. Yeah, yeah. So what happened when they said that? My passport is valid up to August, and she said no, it has to be valid up to the ninth of October. But I mean, it was her attitude. She was just so nasty. Really? There was another couple there as well with another child, and they got they got put off as well. It was like, get out of the queue, get out here. Who are you we flying with? Ryanair. And was it Ryanair said to you, you can't fly, your passport will be out of date in six months? Yes, the girl at the gate, yeah. So what did you yeah. do? And the other people as well, what, what happened next? Well, my son burst out crying, and then I started crying <laughs> walking down through the airport. I told my son and my husband, go, and they wouldn't. And uh, I said, I'd follow you out. And they were like, no, 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 we're not leaving you. Like, we're not leaving you. And then my son burst out crying. We were walking back down the terminal. So he could have gone with your husband, but they wouldn't they leave gone, you yeah. behind. That was nice. Yeah. 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 Do you think they should have? Um, well, I would have probably been more sick about it because I'm the one that looks after them. You look after them? Yeah. You can't even look after I yourself can't... from the Minger story I got. I know. I know. I know. But sure, look. I have to sometimes. When I'm away with the girls, it's different. I've only myself to look after. <laughs> so what did you do? Well, we came back uh, distraught, gutted, obviously. And I was saying, what am I going to do? So I went to the Ryanair desk on the way out. And I said it to them. And they said, look, we can get you on another flight uh, Tuesday morning if you have your passport. So... I said, fine. They would charge me only 100 euro each again. Only? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. well, I suppose well, technically it's not their fault. It's Turkey says it. Like, there's six-month passport validity required from the date of entry to Turkey. That's exactly That's what you're right. saying. Yeah. yeah. And they're saying, they're warning people, check your passport in plenty of time before you travel because you will yeah. be refused entry. In fact, you were refused flight, never mind entry. Uh, yeah. or, the Irish Embassy cannot intervene on your behalf if your passport is out of date in six months or less. Um, according to the Department of Foreign Affairs passport, the passport validity required for countries outside the European Union um, vary greatly. 
So make sure you contact your travel agent or embassy of the country you're traveling for up-to-date requirements. But we do know that Turkey is six months. I think the rest of them are three, and I believe America is three as well. Yeah, yeah, but I think I'm just getting old now, Neil. And, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought that if I was going to... No, if I was going to Turkey, and I love Turkey as a country, in the morning, and I saw that my passport was out of date in, what is this, April, May, June, July, August, September. Yeah. September, I would say I'm fine. Yeah. So I'm just the same as you. So they said, okay, we'll you get know, you another flight. No, I yeah. was going away. I was going away in... What happened was, I was I actually knew about it, and I was going to send it off, but I was going away like that now with the guards in March and if I sent away my passport I wouldn't have had enough back in time because I actually sent away my son to get done and I said what I'll do is when I get back I'll send off the passport yes I'd exactly home, come here that's exactly yeah, what I would have done and my head just I think I'm getting old the old head isn't the same as it used to be and no, I, I wouldn't have been renewing my passport for it. I would not be renewing my passport if I was going to Turkey now I wouldn't have known anything about it yeah. So, so did you come home to Cork? No, we're staying in the Premier in here. You're still, up. You're still up there? We're still up there. And have you... Between pa- bosses now and taxis in and out to Dublin trying to get... We, I went into the passport office um, yesterday morning and they just, at the door even, they wouldn't even leave us in unless you had um, a passport and a query about it in the system. So I just said, yeah, I have <laughs> I have a query about a passport. Yeah. So I got in and sure, still no good. Your man said, no, go on away, girl. Book it online. I said, I'm trying to book it online. I can't get it online. And um, I sat down. I went up and I was trying and trying and trying. And there was a girl sitting alongside me. And I said, have you an appointment? She said, yeah. I said, I'm trying to get one. I said, I can't get it. She said, it's a nightmare, she said. I've been on it, she said, since last Thursday, she said. Ringing them every day, um, trying to get an appointment, she said, and I got one today. She said, you have to keep refreshing the page and you might get lucky. So where are you at today, Tuesday morning? Where am I at today? I went into the passport office. I was there at eight this morning and I had an appointment for nine. So I'll have my passport. I have to go back in again now later and collect it at four o'clock. They couldn't get it for me any earlier, she said. And that's, would that, is that a, a new passport or is it an emergency one, a short-term one or what? I couldn't tell you. I just came to Nikki and said, here, you know, I, I presume, I don't know. Like it was 250 euros, so I don't know. Was it? Why is it 250 yeah, euro? Because it's the same day turnaround. They charge you 150 euro extra the turnaround and yeah, then you're 80 euro 245 euro the charge me. 245 then for the passport office and another 300 to Ryanair yeah and then I'll have to pay for my seats when I check in there now in a minute my god <laughs> almighty it? Together. it was an expensive mistake wasn't it oversight yeah. it wasn't a mistake a lot of people would have made the same mistake and, you, and a shorter yeah. holiday as well yeah, but sure, look, we're going for two weeks, so at least we'll get about 10 days out of it anyway. Do I know, wanted to so. chat to you to see how you got on, and I'm glad it was resolved, but also to warn people that some countries have longer yes, exactly. have longer expiration yeah. times on the passport than others. Yeah, how's that's why I agree with mine, I to just leave people know. Absolutely. You know, Thank you. How is, how's Connie? Connie, Connie is grand. Connie's getting ready there now. We're to get out of the room by 12. I remember... Oh, you also have the hotel bill as well on top of the four five forty five. Yeah. How much was that? Um, about 
altogether the three nights about three seventy. But then we had to pay for our breakfast and meals and stuff outside that. That was just the room. That's nine hundred and fifteen euro. So would we say it was a thousand euro the lot? Over a thousand euro, yeah. I remember when did we chat? Was it two thousand did you get married in two thousand eighteen? Yeah. Did you yeah. would you get married in St. Michael's no, Church in Blackrock? No. When when did I get married? <laughs> Is it two thousand eighteen? What do we know? Oh yeah, God, you're right. God almighty. In St. Michael's in Blackrock? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Do you did did you sing your way up the aisle? <laughs> Elvis Presley. Do you want to be reminded of that? Oh my God! <laughs> Here we go on. Cheer me up. Have a listen to this. for that night ho ho <laughs> was he up at the top of the aisle then looking down at you with the with the mic no he actually didn't turn around because the priest was a great priest he was a great character the priest told him not to turn around so he didn't turn around ah that was the wrong advice I know does he know, always do what he's told he Connie he does he actually does <laughs> <laughs> here he's here hello Neil how are you? Connie Okay. You got one crazy gal in your house, boy. Oh, this is so mad. <laughs> you, didn't tu- you didn't turn around at all and she coming up the aisle oh, singing to you? The priest, the priest told me not to turn around, you see. <laughs> in case the uncle would run up, you know. So. <laughs> oh, what? Was, your, was your son going walking up the aisle with her? Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> oh, my well, God. She's, yeah, she's a great track. Unbelievable. All right, well... <laughs> <laughs> So you're off to Turkey, Connie. We're off to Turkey, yeah. Was there any um, stage yeah. standing at the gate that you thought it might be a good idea just to leave her behind? <laughs> I was going to, yeah. I was going to do that at the wedding. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I was gonna, yeah, I was sitting I, I was, I was doing something at the wedding when she came up the aisle. So at the airport, you had a second opportunity to do a runner yeah. and you funked it. <laughs> Yeah, I love, I love you guys. I love you. All right. Have a great holiday, all right? All right. Thanks for right. that, me. Take care, lads. All the best. Cheers, Marie. Thanks, Can I just say thanks to my friends and my sister for doing everything for me over the last couple of days, please? <laughs> okay. All right. We'll, thanks, have, to, we'll have to start a GoFundMe for you to pick the grand back again. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> the swans can start a GoFundMe. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> the Neil Brenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818-104-106. Yes, indeedy. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, another one of the time capsules that were filled in in the census. Do share your one if you've taken a copy of it or a photograph of it and you'd like me to read it out on air because uh, it'll be read in 100 years' time. Attached is my census time capsule. I am an Irishman, not a European. My heritage is Irish, not European. God save Ireland, says Donica. And um, he says, for what did the sons, oh, for what died the sons of Roisin, he says. And he lists off many people who probably would be turning in their grave if they saw the state of our country, uh, you know, just over a hundred years after they gave their lives for it. He lists Podrick Pierce and James Connolly and Tomás Clark and Thomas McDonough and Sean McDiarmid, Eamon Kant, uh, Joseph Mary Plunkett, Roger Caseman, Thomas Kent, John McBride, Sean Houston, Edward Daly, Michael O'Hanrahan, Willie Pierce, Michael Mallon, Con Colbert from the 1916 Rising. He lists from the H-Block prison hunger strikers, Bobby Sands, uh, Michael Devine, Kieran Doherty, Francis Hughes, uh, Martine Herson, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, Kevin Lynch, uh, Raymond McCreech, Joe McDonnell, Tomas uh, McElwee, uh, Pat McGowan, and Patsy O'Hara, because they all died on their hunger strike. But a lot of the times we forget, really, that uh, there was a lot more than just uh, Bobby Sands. And then he lists the other um, uh, incidences down through the history of Ireland. It's quite lengthy. You got a lot of you got a lot onto your little box of paper. He says, "God save Ireland, Easter 2022. Our country is still being repressed by its corrupt government, and our children are still hungry and cold in their homes, and many more are homeless in Ireland 2022." That's pretty powerful stuff, uh, Donica. Well done, and that will be read in 100 years' time. Meanwhile. Uh, a lot of other texts and emails and different topics of conversation, including uh, cowboy builders. Um, and there was one builder got in touch saying to me that no builder will do a job if it's 100% payment at the completion of the job. Problem being, if it was, and it has happened in the past, the customers refuse to pay all of the time and they go on about small niggly issues. It's not worth pursuing them in court then, says Aidan and Aileen. Uh, if it was 100% payment on the completion of the job, people would find reasons to complain and not want to pay the full amount. Uh, one other one. I'm in the trade regarding the concrete that was poured in your man's back garden on the radio. I've no problem calling to him but have a look and see if anything can be done with his place. I have O'Shea Trading Limited. Paul O'Shea is the name. You can pass on the number. And actually got other people in the trade who wanted to go and have a look. Uh, I'm happy to pass it on, but obviously I can't stand over your work. I can't endorse it. Uh, people, the problem is that people want a top-notch job done, but on the cheap. You see, the good tradesmen price these jobs, I'll bet, but because they're too expensive, people go for the average cowboy. You get what you pay for. I'm a tradesman myself, and my advice is always to get three prices. The dearest fella is ripping you off. The cheapest will cut corners, the middleman is always the one to go for. Well, that's amazing because I'd always get two quotes, but you're suggesting three. Thank you for that. In this digital age, my advice to anyone getting a job done is take pictures of the progress. And if you're not into DIY, make sure you ask a friend or family member who is to keep an eye. But take photographs as the work is being done because your friend might see red flags that someone else wouldn't. It doesn't matter how reputable the company is. Anything can go wrong. 
And if you're not on top of the progress, it's too late when the job is complete. Um, Mick and Mayfield took a look at the photographs that we posted of the poured concrete near man's back garden. And he says, the only answer for that is decking. Deck the whole lot of it, says Mick. Yeah, we've seen the cost of decking, particularly if you go for composite decking that won't rot. It ain't cheap, I can tell you that. So keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Now, I also just want to mention before I go, you may remember the fund that was put up for Luke and Lily. Uh, Cora O'Grady, Luke and Lily's mum, uh, died uh, while climbing uh, the Galtee Moor as part of the climb for Charlie. And I want to say thank you to all of the family and friends who did come back to me again because they say Luke and Lily's family would like to thank from the bottom of their hearts every single person who's been there for them since the day of the tragedy. And also those who donated to the GoFundMe set up by Cora's friends. We spoke to Ailish on the air about this last week when it was at about 15,000 euro. From the 5 euros to the 1,500 donation, all was equally appreciated by us. The generosity and kindness shown by each donation and every heartfelt message left on the page and on RIP.ie was read and reread and will forever mean the world to us, says the family. The support of our friends and neighbours, Luke and Lily's friends and their parents, their schools, clubs, organisations that were involved, we will never forget you. We know if Luke and Lily's grandmother, Chris, were alive, she would insist on thanking every person individually. Walking up the main street of Mitchellstown, following Cora's coffin on Friday, and seeing all the locals and business people out lining the street was so wonderful. It made us so proud to be to a community like Mitchellstown that showed so much compassion, respect and support to us as a family, but especially to little Luke and to Lily. The GoFundMe has echoed the community spirit on a national level and the kindness of ordinary people taking care of each other at a time when there's so much doom and hopelessness in the world just fills our hearts. We'd like to thank all of the media, radio, print, who promoted the fund in aid of Luke and Lily, Cora's children. Going forward, Luke and Lily will be supported by their family. The money donated will be placed in a fund overseen by the organisers, Caroline and Ailish, Luke, and also Luke and Lily's aunts. This will be used for their education and any other unforeseen but necessary expenses that will be incurred in the future. Because of the generosity of family, friends and strangers, Luke and Lily will not be denied the opportunity that Cora, their mother, would have wanted for them. This was very important to Cora. She encouraged her children to get involved in all activities. Cora herself, and only recently, completed an SNA course where she obtained distinctions in all exams. And she was really looking forward to restarting her career in education, working alongside children like Luke and Lily. We'll be forever proud of Cora and her achievements, especially Luke and Lily. And that's a statement that was sent to me. Uh, it's a beautifully written piece by the family of the late Cora O'Grady, who passed away on the Galtee Moor. Um, the fund this morning now stands at €86,110. Uh, and I think that is a phenomenal sum of money to everybody that contributed. Well, well done. I'm saying it. And of course, the family are most definitely and beautifully saying it in that email to me, 86,110 euro for Luke and for Lily. And as she said, and as they say in the email, in the statement, they would like to thank everybody from their bottom, from the bottom of their hearts, every single person who's been there for them since the day of the tragedy and donated. Thank you one and all. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 
Maybe talk about the amount of texts and emails then on people who are desperate trying to find a home. I also am beginning to get quite an amount of response back from landlords. I'm a landlord of a lovely little house. It recently cost me 7,000 to clean up and prepare, 7,000 euro to clean up and prepare the house for a new tenant after only four years. House was turnkey, beautifully renovated when they moved in. They left it filthy and had no respect for the house whatsoever. Between rent caps, taking care of all maintenance, repair requests, and the high income tax on rental, uh, I'm barely breaking even this year. It's just not worth the hassle, the stress, and work every year. I'm planning to sell the house now soon, so it'll be another landlord leaving the market. Landlords are leaving the market, which is a huge contributor to the lack of available rental properties. Yes, they are leaving, and many are selling up, and others then are moving over to Airbnb, where there's more money. But that's a phenomenal amount of money, seven grand to clean up and prepare the house after the tenants that moved out after four years. I mean, they must have trashed it. You said they left it filthy and had no respect for it. They really must have gone to town on it. Uh, We're currently in the process of getting evicted. It started last year when we unexpectedly got an email from our landlord of six years who never met us up to that point to tell us she deemed the rent on the property 40% under market value. Spoke to her briefly by phone where she told us that due to the new laws around rent increases, she couldn't actually ask us for more money. But if we offered her more money, that would be a way around the law. She gave us an ultimatum. We either pay her €300 Euro more per month or she was going to sell the property. She kept putting emphasis on how bad the rental market is and how much she didn't want to have to evict us. We declined her request and told her we weren't willing to pay any more than the required 4% increase. From this, she gave us three weeks' notice, which, given our length of time, should have been six months. Sometime in the space of those three weeks, she must have realised her mistake, but she came back to offer us the six months we were entitled to. However, she backdated this notice with the new date of eviction being the 24th of December. Yes, we did get onto Threshold, who were extremely helpful. I would recommend them to anyone. Uh, Between Threshold and the PRTB, we managed to get our proper six months notice, with the date being at the end of April. That's clock. That clock is ticking. To be honest, this is the watered-down version of events. Dealing with this has been stressful enough, but trying to find a new rental property, I can tell you, is by far worse. We've been applying for places every day since January, but we've yet to even get a viewing. We haven't looked for a rental in six years. Things are very different now compared to then. The price of rent is off the wall, but this is the reality of the rental game. It is a landlord's market. Now, to the best of my knowledge, I haven't heard that before where a landlord would say, listen, by law, I can only ask you for 4%. So I can't ask you for more than that. But if you're willing to offer me 300 more per month, you can stay in the house. I wonder if that happens much. Um, we had to move to the country, Castletown Bear, to try to get a start to save on a house. It's crazy that we had to leave Cork City leave your job and your life uh, that you built yourself up for to try and start a new life. I was in Glanmire for ridiculous money, so we moved with family to Castletown Bear. It just gives you fear for the future, wondering what rent or mortgage or even building rates would be like. It's a different world down there, but I hope you find it lovely. Um, I know you're a long way from from home, but perhaps it could become your new home. You may never look back. I, I don't know, maybe... Maybe you hate it. I don't know. Quick question for all the people living in social housing. Can they not contribute and pay for some of their own repairs? I work 12 hours a day, pay a mortgage, probably have the same disposable income as someone receiving social welfare payment. 
but no one pays to fix my issues. I can't afford to have children right now because my partner and I would not receive any help from the government. No one seems to mention people who work hard for a living. The question being asked there, uh, can those in social housing not contribute in any way, shape or form to repair any work that needs doing in their own home? Um, that's all I have time for. I mean, I've reams more texts and emails and different topics, but it's going to be the morning at uh, this stage. So our lines will stay open. Uh, you can always contact the show by text. Uh, for any of the different topics that we've been discussing or anything on your mind, text 0868104106. Or indeed, if you want to tell a story, uh, email neil at redfm.ie. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.